1: And gentlemen, the show is about to start in ten, nine, eight, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2,
6: 1. It's
7: time for Inside the Gamecock, the show by the Barnuminium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Touchdown, Carolina! Touchdown, Ace Sanders!
8: <laughs> down, right, face, Pressure! And he just dives in!
7: Jamie Bradford.
9: All right. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard. Welcome home. And welcome to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Live always from the Sinorama Studios. They are the preferred sign partners of Gamecock Athletics. Sinorama.com, located in West Columbia. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated by our friend, the community's friend, Matt Vaughn, you'll see if you're watching our program, Founders Park in the background, you'll see him there a lot beginning next Friday and right on through June as Gamecock Baseball is set to go. We are served by Chicken Cock. Chicken Cock Bourbon is fantastic. I can't wait to have a glass tonight. Chicken Cock, you can find it on the Chief Sports app. Click the Chicken Cock Challenge, type in your address. And when you do, it'll show it where it's available near you. Built by the Barn Co., the barndominiumco.com. Your dream home in four states, the Carolinas, Georgia, and in Tennessee. For as low as $160 per square foot. They're awesome. Guess what? They're Gamecock owned and operated as well. Mad Dog is here, and I am here. Schubert is in Vegas. He is alive. We did speak with him this morning. All is good on that front. We'll see if he can make it through the weekend or not. But after last night, he is very much alive, and um, we are just uh, so happy for Nat. Coming up here in just a little bit, uh, Stuart Lake will join us in 15 minutes. We'll take a deep dive into the Gamecock pitching staff and get you teed up as one week away, we will be live from Founders Park. Phil and I will be there on location beginning at 10 a.m. though uh, to get the Carolina baseball season rocking and rolling. Speaking of Carolina baseball, their pitching coach, Matt Williams, will join us at 1230 today. Looking forward to getting him him on as I'll joke with him. Uh, you know, he'll be a, a first time guest, but long time listener, of course. We, Matt is a legend in this state. So is his father. And he's uh, he's an outstanding pitching coach. Gamecocks are lucky to have him. And so are we. So we're ha- having going to have some fun with that conversation. And then uh, the late night Gamecocks, uh, Matt Anderson will join us in the final hour today. Justin Stepp is off for Illinois. We know that you know. And so we'll get to that in just a little bit. There is a game this weekend called the Super Bowl we got a lot of stuff on it, too. We've got some crazy prop bets. We've got some facts. We've got some trivia. So we'll have some fun with that ball game. UConn comes to town on Super Bowl Sunday to take on the Gamecock ladies at Colonial Life Arena at 2 o'clock. Camila Cardoso, of course, is not playing. The rest of the team is, except for one who has been suspended. Uh, so we'll get to that. They did they did win um, last night, and, and, and they're doing just fine. And then the men, they've got Vanderbilt tomorrow as well. And uh, Carolina looking to go nine and two. The three teams that also have two losses in the league, Tennessee, Auburn and Alabama, they're all on the road. So maybe a, a nice setup here for Carolina to be in sole possession of first place. I don't know. We'll see uh, when we get to when we get to Monday. Um, by the way, we're going to play. high my name is with Matt Williams. He doesn't know that yet, but we will play that game with him here just a little bit. So it's going to be a jam packed day and uh, and we're really looking forward to all that. With that said, Mad Dog, looks like the Razor was once again on point this morning. The bald head looks fantastic, and uh, looking forward to what should be a fantastic
3: sports weekend. It is, it is. I I pride myself nowadays on how little hair I have on my head as opposed to how I could style it like back in the day. Of course, that, you know, I I don't know. I, I was... I was doing a half comb over there in my early 20s so it was like you know at that point you just got to you just got to realize what you got you know and you got to work with the the tools that you're given so that's that's what we got today you know you just
9: you just got to you just got to go with what you got you know
3: you can't you, you just it just kind of is what it is uh, I don't know it's like yeah my my I don't know before I had a public facing you know career here it, it, it never really was an issue and now it's just like i'm just sinking into it like yeah all right yep the big bald guy that's him <laughs> <but> that's phil <laughs> that's the mad dog <laughs>
9: that's um yeah
3: well uh you know some people can some people can pull it off and
9: um and some people can't you can you're one of them you can so.
3: fortunately i do not have like an oddly shaped head that's i think that's the key really to not having any hair on it yeah yeah, I've got an oddly shaped head too. I've got, I've still got some. So we'll
9: just, um, Carrie keeps trying to get me to take, not take, but use this stuff. You want to keep your hair, you're getting a little thin on top. I'm like, to be honest with you, I really don't care. Like, I just don't. <laughs> so I'm not, my to, vanity doesn't go that far. <laughs> not, I'm not going to go down the line of taking hair products, but teaches them, teaches them. Yeah. That's- all right, uh yeah, we'll we'll lead off here with the Justin Step news. It was uh, announced last night he is departing for the University of Illinois to become their wide receivers coach and um yep, the, a lot of you are correct. Uh this is something that coach Beamer has been aware could happen and um Justin will depart his hometown for Champaign, Illinois. I would imagine finding a home up there in February won't be a ton of fun with all the snow on the ground, but um best of luck to to coach Step as he makes the move to the Big 10 and uh, he's he's got some familiarity up there. Of course, you probably can can uh, can understand or could have predicted the tie-ins as to why uh, this was the landing spot for Justin Step, uh, Brett Bielema, formerly head coach at at Arkansas. Uh, obviously, those two you know have met before and 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 understand each other. And then Barry Lunny Jr. is the offensive coordinator up at Illinois, and uh, both uh, Step and 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 Barry spent time in Arkansas together, so some familiarity there as well. And um, they are excited to have Justin on board with their coaching staff. And um, and certainly, uh, it's difficult to leave your hometown, as he will be doing. But um, wishing him the best of luck in in future endeavors. So Gamecock football over the last what month or so has put out two different tweets with photos of the entire staff, and 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 now they're going to have to find a way to do another one. But uh, <laughs> Carolina will be. In the market for an a tight ends coach, um, my understanding is uh, Coach Beamer has been prepared for this, as he, you know, has really been preparing for anything else that can just kind of pop up overnight. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a source tell me that with the changing landscape of college athletics, you're you now more so than ever always have to be prepared with a list of guys that you can that you can speak to because you just don't ever know when someone's going to say, "Man, I've just had enough of this." And I want to go to the NFL or I just want to get out or I want to go to another program where my role isn't going to be as large as with recruiting and those type things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's changing and, and these guys, depending on where they are financially and at what age they are and all those type things, the different, the uh, situations are all a little bit different, mad dog. And, and so, um, it could, it could literally could happen overnight. Um, this one, it, you know, I wouldn't say it happened overnight, but it seems like it did to us. Uh, but, um he is uh, no longer going to be a south carolina gamecock so where do they go from there uh don't know uh not prepared to mention either of the names that were mentioned to me this morning i don't know if there's any i don't know if there's any oomph behind any either of them i think there is but but certainly don't want to put something out into the universe that isn't fair uh to to coach beamer or south carolina or anything like that until something's a little bit more concrete behind it but uh they probably they'll probably have a hire in place here i would say relatively soon we could put it that way and um he of course feels pretty good about the upgrades that they've made on the staff so far but um yep justin step is gone he w- does want
3: to coach wide receivers and that's what he'll do at illinois Yeah, man you got to i don't know i mean I, I don't know very much about it i haven't really talked to anybody but you just kind of could feel it coming you know i mean the the buzz around it uh just right when Coley came on board was, you know, high and, and, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, I guess. Um, and you know, it's interesting though. Like I was thinking about this. It's, we're running pretty deep into the air quotes off season here Mm -hmm. with coaching changes and big things like that. Bill O'Brien just named Boston college head coach today. I saw reported by on three, right before we came on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's there's still dominoes and pieces falling, and and staves that are having to be assembled. And I, I think if you know, from a South Carolina perspective, if all you're looking for, you know, on February 9th is a tight ends coach, then you're ahead of the game than the, <laughs> over some of the other programs around. Yeah,
9: I mean, it, I, I I you know I don't know I. I I guess. I mean, I I just don't think that anything is the, clearly nothing is the way that it used to be. I mean, this is all just like national signing day came and went and, you know, nationally really nothing to, to, to talk about. Um, again, coaches are coming and going, you know, lightning quick because I mean, let's just be, let's just be honest. This system is not fair to these guys. For a long time, maybe it wasn't fair to the players in certain ways. You know, if you want to get to NIL and, you know, transfer portal and, and who, w- what dude or what gal in some little office somewhere in Indiana gets to decide whether you should or shouldn't be eligible and and all those type things. I mean, you know, we can certainly have that discussion, but, you know, I, regardless of the amount of money these guys make, I mean, you know, your, your job hinges on the total unpredictability of everything that you are over, whether your players are going to decide to stay or leave with no consequences, no contractual, contractual obligations, anything like that. Um, you know, if you're, if your unit doesn't perform very well, maybe the head coach – Maybe you get fired. Maybe the head coach gets fired, and they, a lot of them are getting fired earlier and earlier and earlier because administrations seem to only think that you can fix your problems through the transfer portal. But maybe the transfer portal actually can't make your problems worse. I mean, there's just there's no clarity with the future of the sport, and and so guys are now making moves, maybe at unorthodox times as opposed to years past, got, leaving for other jobs in February you know, head coaches in late January taking NFL gigs. Like, when has that ever happened? Right. Like, when <laughs> have you ever seen a power five head coach in late January, a month before spring practice is probably about to start? Say, well, I'm just going to go be the OC in the NFL. Yeah. Never. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so, like, there there's going to continue to be these strange occurrences where things move overnight and, and and coaches are just done with whatever situation they're in um and uh you know kind of you know for coach step you know it seems more like a a move not i mean i don't want to say i i, I don't want to speak for justin step like that's not what i'm trying to do here so i want to be careful with my words so it seems more like this was a move for him that you could you could describe it as disgruntled if you'd like to i i, I don't think anybody would would be against that explanation. I think he, you know, has wanted to coach wide receivers. I know in the past he's spoken with other programs also about maybe departing South Carolina and going somewhere else and coaching wide receivers. I'm talking about years past, not not specifically in the last couple of months, like the last couple of years. Um, you know, was he maybe unhappy uh being, you know, being a coach under under Shane Beamer? I don't I don't know. I, I really don't know. Was he maybe wanting to go out and do something somewhere else? just for experience you know who knows who knows knows? but um but he did get moved to a position he didn't want to coach and he does want to coach wide receivers and and he's gone and so uh you know they'll go hire a tight ends coach now that's coach
3: tight ends yeah man do you think that's the direction they'll take it though Uh, i mean yes i do you've got an on-field position available but yeah you think it'll be a specific position to the yeah tight ends room No, okay yeah yeah, I mean, if the, if there's a number of ways you could take that, but yeah, no, I think they'll they'll, they'll hire. The, yeah, yeah, and with the room you've got in there, you don't want to, you know, it wouldn't be neglectful, but you probably would want somebody in there with those guys to further develop and get them up to speed and on the same page.
9: Yeah, yeah, they they'll hire a tight ends coach. I will put it. I'll put it this way: they, they're, it would be rather shocking if they didn't. Right. um so i mean like really shocking so they'll hire a tight ends coach that's what they'll do they'll they'll it'll be a spade for a spade and there won't be like major movement on the staff or moving this guy over here or anything like that i mean i i think i think too one of the other things is that like you look and and you you can dig for the reasons all you want on this i mean you know certainly we, we have information that um you know i, I guess is true and, and but I don't know. I probably can't prove whether some of it is or isn't. Uh I mean, you go back to when coach Beamer got hired, All right, You know, your offensive line coach is is not not on the field anymore. Um but he's still still in the program. Lonnie Teasley of course is is your offensive line coach today. Um this is now going to be your fourth tight end coach. And I'm not by the way, this is not like bagging on the program. I mean, that's not what I'm getting at here. I'm just saying this stuff moves. I mean, it evolves. Like it's very rare to keep staffs together, but you know, Kimry comes in. Love Eric. Eric is just an amazing man, amazing football coach. All the things you you ever want a human being. That's Eric Kimry. But you know, wanted to kind of get back into doing what he was doing, running his own deal in high school. So he leaves, and Jody, and now Step, and now you've got an, another guy coming in. um You've got you you're your on your second wide receivers coach. uh You you now got a new running back coach. So your entire Offensive staff is brand new. Not of course your offensive coordinator position changed a couple or last year. Um, you know, you've had some a couple of changes on the defensive side of the football. So without except for Clayton White and Torian Gray, that's it, right? They're all new. I mean, Pete Limbo's gone. Your head coach, your defensive coordinator, and your secondary coach are right. the only coaches that are still here. So, you know, it's it's an evolving landscape and on top of that, you know, pertaining directly to coach Beamer being a first-time head coach a few years ago, like he's been going through a tremendous learning experience of what type of guys he wants on his staff, you know, and 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 learning when when he does hire guys, you know, what is more important out of coaches at this position versus that position versus the recruiting area we have versus the teams that we play versus all the things, you know, so he he's discovering man i'd like this type of guy in this type this guy's got to be more of a recruiter or this guy's got to be more of a developer or this guy's got to fit here or this guy's got to fit there you know or whatever the case is and, and you learn that as time goes on as fans you know i don't know you just hope for the best and and we'll see what this program is able to to roll out over the next couple of years
3: but there there have certainly been changes There's there's no question about that oh yeah yeah for sure and it, it is you know this It is rare, like you said, for a staff to stay the same, um, you know, and, and who knows beyond, you know, what's inside Coach Step's head as to why it was that he felt like this was a better opportunity for him. But I would, you know, I think the natural assumption is he feels like he's a wide receivers coach and Illinois gives him an opportunity with some people that I'm sure he's familiar with from having dealt with them in the past. Uh, to be able to go back to the position that he feels is more natural for him. And I I think, you know, I I don't, I saw a couple of people, you know, kind of getting a little upset about step or, you know, not big fans of Justin step. And, and, you know, I, I always was, I thought he was an excellent developer of talent. I mean, we saw what he was able to do, bringing in some, you know, lower level transfers and being able to turn them into, you know, stars and take the, Kind of unproven guys on the roster and make them into good wide receivers. And Illinois definitely got them a good, you know, wide receiver developer.
9: he well, got a great guy. I know that Justin steps a great dude, and uh, he's a great dad and husband and all those type things. All everything that you want. And um, and I sure hope he goes and helps Illinois win a bunch of football games up there. Uh, Shane Beamer will be hiring a new tight ends coach here in the near future. We will step aside. Stuart Lake is standing on deck. No, no no, pun intended there. When we return, we'll get into Gamecock baseball. A reminder, Matt Williams is up at 1230 today as well. One week, boys and girls, one week from opening day. We'll be right back here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
6: Mike here for one of the better dining options in the capital city. You know, when I first moved there, I asked people around the radio station, where are the best wings? Well, the consensus was D's wings. That was then. Today, they still have the best wings, but it's so much more. Now in their new location at 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia, yeah, they get voted the best wings on a routine basis. Yes, they get voted the best sports bar on a routine basis, but they're not just about wings, and really, they're not just a sports bar. It is a family-run local restaurant and bar with 20 TVs and 25 beers on tap. And how about these daily specials? Every Monday night at Dee's, you've got 75-cent wings from 4 until closing. Tacos on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, 18 wings and a pitcher of beer for $29. bucks. you have also got ribs and oyster bucket specials on Thursday. And no matter how big the party is, 20 or more, no problem. Just call ahead of time, and they'll take terrific care of you. They'll do takeout as well. And guess what? A human will answer the phone and take the order. Billy and his staff do an outstanding job. Check out Dee's. 415 Meeting Street in West Columbia.
0: Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
9: It's 2024. 2024. And it's time to get in shape. Charleston Fitness Equipment can help you do just that in Mount Pleasant. The Wilkins family, big Gamecock fans, and proud supporters of Carolina Rise and our programming on the Chief Sports Network. But most importantly, proud supporters of you, getting healthy and staying healthy. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. Find them on the Chief Sports app and in Mount Pleasant. Happy New Year.
6: Which is every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297
9: Rescues and Resin Proud supporters of Carolina Rise They are also proud partners of the show They make products you can't get anywhere else Custom designed wood and resin products That make your tailgate, make your home Or make anything stand out Order a custom cutting board, coasters, wall art, tables, and more. Contact Dustin and Tabitha at rescuesandresin.com today. rescuesandresin.com and put your imagination to work. Rescues and Resin, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
2: What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land O'Lakes, Florida. And you will listening to the show with J.B., J.C., and Phil. Go Cox!
1: Oh, a deep drive to left. Morgan looks up, and it is gone.
2: The 0-2 is
3: sent to center, and this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field from passes,
1: and it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Langford looks
9: up, and it's gone. Yeah, soon, like real soon, as in one week away from opening day at Founders Park. This is where we'll be next week, and can't wait to be there to watch the 2024 version of Gamecock baseball, and in my opinion, it is the greatest tradition of any sport in the state of South Carolina, and we'll see if they can continue to honor that this year. This guy knows a little bit about it, Stuart Lake, joining us now, as he will throughout the season on Fridays, uh, to preview the weekend series, Uh, this weekend it'll just be scrimmages, so we won't really have to preview that, but we'll certainly discuss and fuss uh, some of the some of the guys that will be rolling it out there next week, especially on the pitching staff, man. So glad to have you. It's hard to believe it's just one week away, brother.
5: I nah, know. I'm I'm on road today a little bit trying to do it from home. So hopefully internet and microphones and everything's working good. So
3: perfect. Uh, yeah, man. Sound great.
5: Good. One week, you know. Um, before I even get started, I've been texting right now before I got back with you guys. So excited. Gamecock softball starting up today, yep. and they're gonna start up with a double header because of rain so i was texting with coach bev three o'clock they get it going today and then they come back again at 5 30 today with unc greensboro so it's looking like sunday is not going to be a great day to play so they're trying to get four games in between today and tomorrow so go out and check them out i've been kind of sneaking over there from the rice and i think coach bev's got a really exciting team this spring too
9: yeah, it's uh in 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 typical uh, early season softball fashion. It's a tournament style. They usually play a few of these suckers before they they get into the weekend series and stuff like that. But uh, as you pointed out, Greensboro at three today, and then they've got the Gamecocks tonight at five thirty. Jacksonville State. Uh, they'll double dip it tomorrow with Virginia and Jacksonville State again, and then it's scheduled. But we'll see if they can get uh get the Wahoos in for one more at twelve thirty on Sunday. Um, over at the ballpark. So, uh, And they're in the top 25, Coach, as 10 spring sports programs are right now, or late winter slash spring sports programs are. Boy, I, Coach Tanner's got to be proud. Holy smokes.
5: Well, uh, we all are. You know, it was obviously in Gamecock Club, the better your teams are doing, the more excited the people are. And as we were doing something the other day, you kind of forget because we're all still wanted in that bowl game. You know, we wanted that six win to – to do it, but there's a lot of positives going on at football. I was listening to you guys early, and and you're right, JB. It's never ending with your coaching staffs. I mean, you gotta think they have 10 assistant coaches. Yeah. So <laughs> you're talking that many people, there's a lot of change gonna happen. And it's never just indicative of, oh, it must be something wrong. No, it's 10 men and in their families and they're trying to decide their future. So I'm excited for Coach Step and no doubt Illinois got a good one. And I think Coach will end up getting another good one for us. So I'll be excited to see who he brings in. But, yeah, it's just all around the campus. I mean, equestrian, they were telling me how they had had the big win. And, obviously, I follow softball a lot. Tennis has done great. I mean, it's just a cool time. Oh, and, by the way, basketball is – (laughs) and <laughs> you know, what 40 and three, so that's <laughs> let's not forget that in the middle of all of it. Yeah,
3: that, yeah. I bet the campus is a buzz. I mean, you've got 10 programs across the school athletic department that are ranked inside the top 25 in their respective sports.
5: Well, I was telling someone the other day, and again, we show our age when we tell dates, but I was in grad school here in 1997 and that 98 when Coach Fogler's teams and I, was, you know, BJ and all those guys are so great. And now just me listening, it's that same energy from our students. I mean, they're just constantly trying to make sure they can get tickets for whichever game. And they're talking about it. We have a a student-athlete cafeteria right by our office. So I go in there a bunch to eat just because I love seeing guys and listening. It is probably the most energy I've seen in there in a long time. And the energy of what we're here to talk about. People keep grabbing me with, "Hey, baseball starts next Friday, right? Spring training about to get started here, so it's that time of year for us as well."
9: Yeah, it's it's hard to believe uh, that um, you know it's it's almost here. I remember when last year ended uh, down in Gainesville, and just thinking to myself, "Well, gosh, I can't wait till February," uh, because you you knew definitely offensively what was coming back, but you also knew that you had some young arms and some guys that were trying to get healthy that would be coming back, and we were anxious to see what they would put together in the offseason, and really excited to talk to Matt about a lot of this here in just a little while, too, uh, this pitching staff. They they went out and find a bunch of dudes with some really interesting backgrounds. Um, but, um, you know, so let, let, uh, I'm going to ask him this. but He's the pitching guy. I'm going to ask you this as the offensive guy. You're one week out, and is there a um, – I know what my answer would be, but – is is there a feeling as a head coach, which you were a head coach forever, but also an assistant coach forever? You've seen it from every point of view. One week out, where like, kind of like football, mm, offense is a little bit. Is our defense suspect, or well, boy, they they sure are mowing them down. Can we just not hit? You know how how do you how do you, I, I know this offense is really good? But these guys have been facing each other for months. So when you get one week out from the first pitches of the season being thrown, how do you kind of judge how far along you are, both with the staff and offensively?
5: Well, I take it a couple of ways. As a head coach, yeah, you're worried. You're always worried. Does that mean my offense is good today or does that mean my pitching's bad? As a hitting guy, and I was in that role most of my career when I wasn't a head coach, I could care less if our pitching was good. That wasn't my problem, and I joke a lot of times that I wanted to switch the innings during scrimmages because that means you reach the pitch count. And then whoever the pitching coach, Jerry Myers or Skyler Mead or whoever would say, oh, I hope you're happy because now I won't sleep tonight. And I'd say, you're not going to face hitters like that when we play other teams. And I'd always try to make it light. Then I'd have to sometimes tell our guys when we got two hit in a scrimmage that, hey, we're not going to face a lot of guys like that. So you're constantly doing that, but... No, I told you last week, last weekend was the big weekend for me when I coached in the preseason. I really wanted guys to get after it week two. I'll be honest, week three, you start to almost want to bubble wrap a few guys. You know, hey, let's don't throw inside. There's no need Ethan Petrie. don't have to show us he can take one and wear it. That's good enough. Let's let him do that during the year. And, you know, I'm sure today with Eli Jones, I assume would be throwing today in the scrimmage. And however, Coach, you know, Williams would tell us, they're probably also thinking what's well, going to rain Sunday. We got to get guys maybe a little different too. But this is a weekend where, if if you really could say it, you probably know eight of your nine starters. You know, maybe you already know nine, but it could be a weekend where you're trying to figure out who to DH or maybe who to play in the left field or whatever. But you're pretty zeroed in on your lineup. Pitching staff, I would assume they probably got a pretty good idea who's going to start these first three games. To be honest, probably who they want to start in the first five games. So this weekend is – let's be sharp. Let's get about six or seven hits so the offense feels good and let's not get more than that so the pitchers feel bad and then get out of here and then start game week, which is all these guys are already thinking of anyway. So you have to start realizing that instead of fighting it. They're excited to get a crowd in our park and see what's going to be going on when Miami of Ohio rolls in.
9: Yeah, I was as you were mentioning all that. talking about the rain. I was like, let me see if it's been updated, and it has. Next, this is this is this is great news. Next Friday, uh, sixty four degrees and and sunny in Columbia. Uh, you know how the baseball gods work. It could be seventy degrees the day before opening day, and then you get to opening day and the high's thirty five and raining. Uh, of course, it chills out by Sunday, down to fifty four. So, um, you know, we'll kind of, we'll have to, once again, here we go this year, having to play, play tricks with the scheduling and this, that, and the other, you just don't ever know when the rain's going to pop up. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it really is interesting because, you know, especially like when you, we talk about a pitching staff and, and I think one of the things that a lot of people get lost in, and I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's, you know, if, if staffs are having issues in the preseason or the fall, I'm not saying that they're not an issue. That's not what I'm getting at here. But a lot of times, unless you've been on a real staff, like in college baseball at any level, really, uh, or you know you've played at some elite level, a lot of those guys, coach, as you well know, are working on things. And so when you when you go look at numbers, and you know, or it could be anything, it could be the analytics, um, you know, from vo- Velo and and things like that, or it can be. Just no, flat out numbers, hits and walks, you know per innings pitch or whatever the case may be, a lot of that stuff, while some does translate a lot of it really doesn't because this is the time where you're trying to work on those things that you need to be good at when the season comes along.
5: no, I agree, and you know i I still we all grew up pro baseball, obviously major league baseball, and I just remember as a young player at WGN. So he saw the Cubs all the time. And Ryan Sandberg, if you remember, used to have the worst Aprils of any major league player around. And I would just sit there with my granddad watching those games and I'd hear Harry Carey and, you know, Steve Stone, whoever go, look at his numbers though at the end of June, don't get wrapped up and he's hitting 180 here at the end of spring training, you know, in April. And that mentality has stayed with me as a hitting coach and a head coach that, You're exactly right. These numbers right now in this preseason, they're important. They're things we look at. We don't want you striking out 50% of your bats or walking 50% of the guys you face, but it's real quick. I promise you this, because I've heard him say it, and I've said it. Coach Kingston on Sunday afternoon, well, if they get it in or Saturday afternoon, whenever this is done, we'll say, okay, those stats are done. Stop thinking about Ethan Petrie. Stop thinking about whoever. Now let's start thinking about Gamecocks. Now let's start looking at our team batting average, our run score, our on-base percentage. He knows, and I know, and you know, and Phil knows, we're all going to always look at our stats. But if you can zoom them in to start looking at team stats, boy, it's a lot more fun. And it turns into, holy cow, at the end of the year, I had 19 home runs, I had this, I had that. And I thought that's what uh, Cole Messina did so well last year. I never really thought he got wrapped up in his own numbers. Then at the end of the year, your team's good, you're good, and now it's carried on into this year, you know, with the rankings. So that's that's where I would be pushing. I know they are too. I know this weekend is is starting to become about the team. It's starting to become about who we're going to be instead of just that one on one stuff of fighting.
9: One of the great baseball minds that the Palmetto State has is Stuart Lake, and we're lucky to have him every every I don't know today's Friday, not Monday. Every Friday at eleven twenty here on our. On our program, so coach, um, let's 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 start back and and work our way forward. Let's start with Chris Beach, uh, which I was surprised to learn a little bit about Chris Veach. He's he's a pretty soft spoken guy. Uh, when you see him try it out on the field, I mean, last year, I mean, I think everybody remembers, you know, the end of that Florida series and K the last guy and. <laughs> Counted he with towards intensity.
3: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah I'm
9: not, That's not me. You know, I'm I'm more of the just roll the ball back to the mound or turn around, shake the umpire's hand and walk off the field. You know, I think Cole tossed the ball into the stands and got a little I don't know. I'm not big on all that, but I you know, it's today's Cole. game.
5: That wasn't Cole. I'm on defending
9: that. But, I mean, I'm sorry. That was it. Yeah, uh Jonathan French. Yeah, who, uh, he got got tossed,
5: tossed, on that one if he'd have done it.
9: No. Tossed, that's right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, that that's not cool. Um uh, but um, you know, but it's funny how some of these. I mean, how many you've been on closers forever? They're all strange, you know. Every one of them is. Matt Price is a weird dude. Blake Taylor is a great guy. He's a little rocky. on Kevich is a weird dude. I mean, this. I mean, this right? Chad Blackwell. These guys are good guys. You're just all a little off. Um, and Veach has some of that in him too. But he's also got a change up that you can make in an argument might be the best one not only in the league but in the country. When, when this thing. When he lets go of it, like, when you're up there in the booth or just watching the game behind home plate or in the dugout, wherever you may be at the time when he's throwing it, like, what do you see? Because it, it's – I've seen a lot of change-ups, and this thing does stuff I'm just rarely, rarely seeing balls do when you throw it.
5: The that I see as a guy get uncomfortable, and I see a lot of hitters uncomfortable when he's throwing that changeup, and that's what's important to me you mentioned all those guys back to you know Blake Taylor and Lee cavage. Veach is in that role I, I'm not trying to look in a crystal ball but I could easily see Veach throwing a game three of a super regional and giving you four five six innings he's got that in him the cool thing about him I feel for the Gamecocks right now he don't have to wait till the ninth inning you remember Matt Price came in a lot of times when you had those crucial moments in the eighth inning and got five outs or got four outs. And that's what beach can do as well. And in the, in the sec, it's, it is a testosterone driven league. Everybody wants to say who throws the hardest. That that is the whole, I'm telling you, it ain't going to ever change, but these guys can hit velocity. They sit out there. I went out the other day and they're just hitting off the bat machine. and throwing 94. You know, they're going to hit velocity. But what are the good pitchers in this league? They make hitters uncomfortable. Because if you're gearing up to hit 94, but think in the back of your mind, this guy might throw a 86-mile-an-hour changeup or whatever that changeup may come. Boy, your timing is messed up. And that's what the changeup does so well. I I feel better against hitting a guy that throws 100 with a slider than a guy that throws 92 with a changeup. Because it is just – you might run into the slider. You might just swing late, you know, and hit that slider the other way. You don't run into change-ups. <laughs> and if you do, they're typically a three-hop ground ball to an infielder.
9: Yeah, I think there's something to say about staying under bat speed. I, that's a term that uh, I feel like sh- doesn't get used enough publicly. Um because you you just hit the ball on the head, right? Testosterone, and I mean, look at the big leagues. I remember he's throwing a hundred. I mean, Smoke says it all the time. He's like, "Give me a hundred, dude. I'll hit it. I might miss it the first time or the second time, but I ain't gonna miss it the third time." Um, but then when you roll something in there that's under bat speed after throwing ninety five, after throwing a hundred, whatever that case is, and you can control it, you're electric. That's that's to me what electricity is on the mound.
5: I agree. I agree. And. You know, as we did say, those closers are weird, and I used to pick on them all the time because you get – listen to this day of a closer. If a 7 o'clock game when it starts rolling around, most of those guys will be rolling in the Founders Park by noon because they want to hang out, they want to eat lunch. Then the position guys get to start doing stuff, hitting, stretch, BP. That closer's still just trying to fill time. Mm -hmm. And then the game starts. And he's still feeling time. I used to say, how do you... They may not perform till 9.15 that night in the seventh or eighth inning. And it'll be the most dramatic time of the day. So, Blake Taylor used to be the one that laughed the most. And he goes, I'll take a few naps. You know, I, so they have to be a little out there. Because they're feeling a lot of time in their lives without getting to compete. You can't go out and warm up in the second inning. You can't really do too much in BP. So... Thank goodness for those guys because they're special. But yeah, they're definitely in a different zone than most guys.
9: It, it, yeah, it's it's so true. I remember, you know, when I was at Carolina, I remember one night we were sitting around, and and I remember Cisco Mike had Mike had, had a, a couple of yips, and he was trying to get some things figured out. Mike Cisco, and um, and uh, he had he mentioned to me, he said he was just pissed. And if you know anything about Mike, you can tell when he's pissed; it's all over his face. You know, I was like, "What's your deal, man?" And he was like, "Calvi, Tanner, they, they, they think I don't know. They talking about moving me to closer." And I was like, well, "So what?" And he's like, "I, I don't want to close." And the only reason I'm telling that story is because you got to want to close. Yes, you have to. Like he's a starter, and 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 it, if you can elaborate a little bit. And again, we got South Carolina's pitching coach coming up too, but we'll get a little bit more specific with some of the guys and a lot of his background and stuff like that in a little while, take a different angle. But the preparation, like you just pointed out, you might not have pitched on 9 15. If you're starting the game at seven o'clock, you know, preparation for these guys being starters versus, you know, middle reliever type guys, long reliever type guys, uh, closers, whatever the role may be, all of them, they've got different preparation.
5: No doubt, and I certainly would rather leave that to Coach Williams. But I can tell you from my point of view, as a head coach again and as a really hitting guy from that, I guess, the old 30,000-foot watching them is, you know, it's so much involved because that Friday night guy gets to pitch on Friday, obviously. Then on Saturday, he gets to come in. He never puts a uniform on until the game because he gets to go get, you know, treatment. He gets his workout in or his running in. He's mentally gets to just completely – relax and be almost like a jokester for the next couple of days because he knows he's not throwing another bullpen or even maybe throwing a ball till monday bullpen probably tuesday get ready for friday so they just have a total different mindset that closer mind you who did that on friday he may have to do that again on saturday and he may have to do it again on sunday it doesn't mean that he gets to slam the door on friday night and get in the locker room and get home at midnight that He gets the next day off. The next morning, he's got to get mentally right back ready to spend eight or nine hours sitting around till someone to call the bullpen and go, hey, tell Veach he's in or get ready. So it's a mindset that's – it's really hard. I mean, it really is. And they pick on each other too because those starters, they know they got it pretty good in a lot of ways. So you love seeing that, but they'll, you know, say, hey, You don't, you know, run them out of the waiting room. Hey, you got to throw tonight. Get out of here. I'm getting my workout in or, you know, whatever. But it's, it's a, I'm excited about this team and I'm going to listen to Matt Williams later because I told someone at one of our events the other night, Because somebody was saying, I think our offense is great. Our offense is great. And then someone said, well, I'm worried about our pitching. I said, well, let me ask you this. If you've been to all the scrimmages and you like our offense, doesn't that mean our pitching is going up against a really good offense? Right. And they kind of looked at me I said, so don't sell this pitching staff out. I see as much as Coach Kingston now has, in reality, 11 or 12 guys that could form his puzzle, I think Matt Williams has got a lot more arms that can create his than people really even realize. Because I've got to sit there and watch. There's some guys that are exciting to me to kind of run in. And this weekend would be one of them weekends, you may say, less of a Matthew Becker. Mm -hmm. Or Eli Jones, because I think we know what they are. You want to get their pitch count up. But if I'm Matt Williams this weekend, and I know he will, and Coach Kingston, hey, let's stretch out so-and-so and and see what he's like. Or maybe throw him twice this weekend. See if he can throw on a Friday and a Sunday. I think you'll see some of that. And it'll be interesting to hear what he says later.
9: I am, man. I'm so glad that you brought the the mind of a coach into this conversation. uh, Because it is – it It is the ultimate game within the game. I mean, you know, I, I kind of – I always speak a little bit more detailed about the game of baseball. That's because we know it. Um, and, and a lot of people just don't. They just don't know the game. Uh, it just is what it is. And that's one of the things that you just – you don't – you, you'll hear it a lot the first weekend, the second weekend, whatever it may be, third weekend. Uh, it starts to get a little important. You, know, you got the Clemson Tigers you know, showing up. Nobody wants to see you get beat by those guys. But there's always – doesn't matter whether it was Coach Tanner or Coach Holbrook or Coach Kingston or whoever it is, you're always trying to figure your guys out early in the season because you got 30 SEC games right around the corner. And then you got the postseason. Everybody needs to be able to fill into their roles to help you get well into June. Right. So, like, you'll see a guy and what he does on the opening weekend, and you walk out of there going, That guy sucks. Well, no, <laughs> hold on here. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. I don't know. But we haven't gotten far enough to be able to judge that yet. What you do opening weekend a lot of times, especially with pitchers, is like you just said, you know, trying to figure out what they can and can't do, what they're comfortable doing, and what they're not comfortable doing, and and where their piece of the puzzle is going to fit in the in the rest of it. And a lot of times those answers don't come to a little bit further down the line for a lot of these guys. Yeah.
5: I I was fortunate in my career to work for great coaches. And but the guy that I I still, and, and anybody will say, yeah, Skip Bertman's number one. Whenever I could talk to Coach Berkman, that was number one to me. And Ron Polk, boy, he's right there, so he might be 1B. But I asked Coach Berkman one time because he came to, he was AD at LSU, but he came over to Ole Miss for our opening weekend because of Coach Bianco, and I asked him what you just said. I said, Coach, you went through so many of these. How much weight did you put on opening weekend? And he laughed like he would. And he explained to me, he goes, there's two weekends to not get too excited about. Opening weekend and then opening weekend of SEC play. Because he looked right at me because he said, you want to win, but you aren't eliminated if you lose. He goes, so don't get so, don't walk out of here. We were opening up against Arkansas State. Don't, and you know, in his language, he said, don't walk out thinking you beat Arkansas State and you're now in Omaha. You're not. Don't think if you open up and beat Georgia two out of three, you're in Omaha. You're not. This game is designed for failure, and there will come failure. Don't get too excited with your success. Don't get too down with your failure. And he says, Stuart, I tell you what, call me about week seven of SEC play, and we'll probably know what kind of team you got because Mm -hmm. you played 20 to 21 SEC games and probably another 20 of your others, and now about game 40. Now, I'll start telling you if I think you're an Omaha team or I think you're, a, you know, maybe a team that's missing a few pieces. And he honestly would. And that just, that's what sticks to me. I'm going to be super excited opening weekend, but let's not, you know, say we're done. You know, shut it down till June. We're in, baby. Be and I know the coaches won't either. But I say that because now I can kind of talk to fans sometimes like, just realize this thing really is a marathon. Yeah. This is a marathon, so we've got to learn our pitchers. I don't know if Coach Kingston can write his lineup next Friday and the group of us sit here in June and that's still the same lineup, they've had a great year because that would be obviously no major injuries. All those guys did well, but Ethan Petrie is a pure example of that. The guy didn't start the first two games last year, you know, so it's hard to kind of still figure this out.
9: Yeah, I I remember the start of the 2010 World Series team. They went six and four. Clemson came in and beat the tar out of them on Sunday, nineteen to seven or six, I think was the final. And uh, everybody, it, it just seemed like because the previous season had ended uh, prematurely up in Greenville in the regional, Greenville, uh, North Carolina at, at ECU. They, ECU opened this or the second weekend of that year. They took two of three from them, then two of three got dropped by Clemson. They were kind of still trying to figure some things out. Everybody was, you know, fire everybody, kick these guys off the team. Let's shut the program down. We're tennis fans now. We don't even want to watch baseball anymore. <laughs> and then a few months later, they were national champions. So I mean, it's just just amazing how it can all change. Um, I want to I go back into the historical bag with you real quick, because speaking of pitchers, uh, and we've we been talking about all of the what, the way we've been talking about a lot of stuff is how the game has evolved. And how it's changed, and how you you work on things now, and you're very careful with people's arms, and figuring out what they can and can't do, and all these. This is not this is not 24 years ago, and we can prove that because Scott Barber doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, walk us through the, those times. I always like to make sure that we can go down memory lane with you because there's so many great ones. Walk us through that time where, where he would just trot out there on Friday and he shut it down, and then. Take it, take a nap, and then he'd show up back on Sunday and start the game. And there they are; they've just swept whoever they played that weekend.
5: Yeah, and and, you know we're kind of taking that. You've heard me say this so much how we tried to emulate LSU a lot. LSU had done that so much where they'd have a closer who may start, and so as we had kind of in the years said we need that. Well, Scott Barber became that guy because he was so physically able to do it. I mean, I we still pick on him. He had the biggest cereal bowl of any human I've ever seen eat. So he was always eating cereal and we always were like <laughs> Jethro Bodine. He ate so much, but the guy would throw every day. You'd look out in BP and see a ball that, you know, when you overthrew the cutoff guy whatever, the bucket guy, and it roll in, well, he was throwing it back in from left field. He was just so naturally, that's a gift. To better throw every day as a pitcher was a gift, but it was cool. We'd sit down on these Friday mornings about this time. We'd make our way to the locker room and, Coach Tanner and Coach Myers would be talking pitching. Me and Coach Tolman were saying things that we thought were really smart, so we were saying <laughs> too. But Coach <laughs> Myers would, Coach Tanner would say to Coach Myers, "Boy, <laughs> if we could not get Barber in for more than thirty pitches, you know he can come back Sunday." And then Coach Tolman or I would usually say, "Well, what if he don't throw a lot? Could he throw tomorrow and throw Sunday?" Well, maybe. I mean, he was he gave us such a versatility. We always had a third starter ready because there were times that Scott had to really stretch it out on Friday and maybe only get to close on Sunday. But he always seemed to throw twice for us on a weekend. And I think there are Scott Barbers still out there. I just don't think in the world that we live in now that you do it much because it, it would just there's so much scrutiny. I mean, Blake Taylor loves to tell you, think of his pitch count when we beat North Carolina to win a regional. If I'm not mistaken, maybe 160 pitches. Think about that. Go back and think in today's yeah. world. But then I see it pop up all the time where Nolan Ryan threw these crazy amounts of pitches. So I think that it is still in them, but you just don't do it. And again, we didn't have 18 pitchers really on staff back then or 20 like you can now. So I, I, the Scott Barbers, man, they were special and his career showed it. But it was fun back then when you think about it. You got Kip going, who you knew was going to give you the quickest games of the year. So you knew every Friday night you could go meet friends by 10.30 because he was going to be done by 9, 9.15. I mean, that was I was young back then, coaching. I loved it. And I was like, I can meet you at, you know, wherever by 10 because Ball Knight's pitching. And then, you know, you bounce back and you had Barber or Bauer, you know, maybe going on Saturday and if Barber had to close that one or if he didn't, that was some cool times. I mean, I we didn't realize how really good we had it, and we knew we had it good. But when you look back, that pitching staff going way back was extremely special.
9: Uh, yeah, the dudes on that team. I mean, when you say killer bees, everybody knows what you're talking about. If they don't, they're really young. Yeah. Um, but um, but those weren't the only guys that pitched now. I nope. mean, they couldn't just throw those three guys all year long, right? I mean, y'all did win 56 games. Yeah. And somebody else had to pitch. Yeah. Um, and um what a special time it was. We'll hopefully be able to to talk to a couple of those cats uh next week uh-huh. um during during opening day. It should be fun. Um, what's the uh we'll let you run on this on on this last one here. <clears throat> what will this final week be like? in that locker room for these guys uh you've been in it thousands of times with carolina baseball and i'm i'm talking really all-inclusive here you know it's gamecock baseball you hear the chatter uh everything you've worked on in the fall everything you've worked on in the spring the players side but then you've got the the fans and your family excited to come see and all that type stuff well What's it like in there as as opening day now is uh, about a week away?
5: We all used to say it to them, and they'll have a meeting probably Monday or Tuesday. If Monday turns out to be a day off Tuesday, get all your tickets handled because that becomes the biggest nuisance. Even as a coach, it became your buddy texting you at 4.30 on Friday, hey, man, can you put me on the pass list? And I love coaches, but it was high school coaches going, hey, man, I forgot to call you. Can I get me and my wife on a pass list? So I used to tell the players – You've got to be blunt with your family and your friends. Wednesday's it. If you ain't told me by Wednesday, don't return their call on Thursday. If they love you, they'll go, "Ah, I got to call him earlier. And if they don't, (laughs) you won't. But then, you know, you always try to break out some new piece of gear. You know how all of us are. We want something. Oh, yeah. You like to have something sitting at the locker maybe a a day or two this week. And you. then we're all kids. You start getting the new cleats ready to go. You know, they're wearing – Watch the scrimmages this weekend. You'll notice everybody's got on their new cleats. So coaches are telling them, hey, wear them this weekend. Make sure they fit. You don't want to wear them the first day. Pitchers, you just got yours back with the you know, the pitching toe on it. And then you just find yourself about Thursday ready to pop because mm-hmm. you really aren't doing anything but a short practice. The exciting thing is then you see Miami of Ohio rolls in Thursday, and they'll take practice at your field. They'll get fed. You know, you'll have a great team meal on Thursday. I'm sure they go somewhere and still watch Major League or whatever the movie of choice is on Thursday night. The hard day is Friday. Thank goodness it's a 4 o'clock game because yeah. we used to sometimes open and still do those night games, and you couldn't even think of how to fill that day. So you're saying we're going to all be excited around the ballpark next week. You got to, you'll start seeing the Bunting hung up this week. They were power washing the stadium this week. And you just, you feel like you're 12 years old, you know, and, and I feel that way and I'm not in there. I miss that feeling so much, but I get to be a part with y'all and then in the booth next week. And, you know, again, I know you're going to set me up a lot for this when we talk next week, but I want to say it now. If somebody's doing their itinerary. Get in the ballpark by 3.30 next week. Mm-hmm. Because of the stuff leading up to the game to honor Tommy Moody and the the coaches and the people that'll be back here to show his family how much we loved him and gonna miss him. It's gonna be pretty neat Carolina baseball day. I can tell you that to, to have that. And then when all that excitement's over, we get to play. <laughs> 402 first pitch. And that's what everybody should be really ready to go. And we got LSU coming into basketball next week. So next weekend's a cool weekend because you get the noon game on Saturday, LSU basketball should be some just really a buzz right in our area next week.
9: Yeah, we're we uh we have a plan, there's no doubt. And um and I'm sure people have obviously heard the news about what your role is going to be moving forward, but we we'll, we're going to respectfully you know, wait wait till next week and and dabble a little bit more in that. I think people will be um very very uh happy certainly with you doing what you'll be doing, but um but we will pay attention to Tommy, there's no doubt and and we will push that home uh heavily as uh it's this will be a neat a neat deal to honor him and what will be a very, very difficult year without him. Uh and um yeah man it's every time somebody brings it up, you, you so we had it in the chat box the other day, somebody was like, It just doesn't seem it seems strange, you know, and it is. But yeah. um it definitely, he'll be, as you said before, he'll be there. Oh, and uh,
5: we'll have Tommy and Mr. Golden doing his oop from heaven and fish trying <laughs> to get them all straight. So there, it's no doubt Gamecock baseball is going to have some really, really good guardian angels looking over them.
9: Can't wait to see you. Cannot wait to see you next week. It's uh, it has almost arrived. Thanks for all that you do. And, um, and, uh, I guess your, your, your boys playing this weekend, right? Who do they have this weekend?
5: i'm trying to think i I forget i got schedules going every which way but i had to give him the speech last week tough weekend for the fire ants last week but i said you know what if you went four and oh you didn't make the region tournament either so you got to back this week and and uh, hopefully beat some rain and get some games in and then uh don't forget super bowl to get a little super bowl action in sunday because that always tells me it's college baseball when football's wrapping up
9: you got that right you got that right <laughs> hey i got it i got a Quick trivia question for you. You want to answer it real quick? I'll try. All right. I got two of them. They they go together. Which Super Bowl was the most watched Super Bowl in history? Or is the most watched Super Bowl in history? Which Super Bowl is the most watched Super Bowl in history? What year?
5: God, this sounds stupid because it probably wasn't as much. But for some reason, I keep remembering that Giants-Bills game. Was it, Does it go back that far?
9: Is now, it, only not you don't have to go back too far.
5: Okay, I'm I'm just I don't know 2010, okay. uh,
9: 2017, the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. Wow, all right, yeah, okay, uh, most watched Super Bowl in history. Wow, can you name the former Gamecock football player that played in that ball game oh, for, for the for the Atlanta Falcons?
5: You're learning. I'm not Tommy's trivia. Tommy used to get stumped me all the time. I can't. Who was it?
9: The
3: Falcons
5: for the Falcons. The running back, and I'm drawing an absolute blank right
3: now. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. No, it's Pat DeMarco. DeMar- Pat DeMarco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Pat DeMarco.
5: <laughs>
3: I'm like, come on, we know this guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
9: <laughs> I, I texted. I told. I call, I told. Texted him last night. I said, "You're going to be the answer to a trivia question tomorrow." He said.
3: I've I've never done anything that <laughs> I should be the answer for. I was like, well,
9: it, actually you have. He sat there uh, on
3: the sidelines and watched did. your defense give up a 25-point uh, lead. And he, <laughs> lose a yeah. Super Bowl. He, he caught he caught two
9: passes in the game. He recovered a kick and uh and he couldn't do anything about Tom Brady running up and down the field scoring. <laughs> it, <so. laughs> about but he he played in the most watched Super Bowl ever. So a 120, 120 people. It's Pat DeMarco. It's pretty good. It's about how many people watch our show. Pretty pretty neat. pretty neat stuff. Awesome. Co- coach, have a wonderful weekend. Can't wait to see you next week. Absolutely.
5: forward to it.
9: Bye, y'all. Thank you. There you go. Uh, our coach, your, everybody's coach, Stuart Lake, joining us uh, from Columbia. We'll step aside. Hour one is in the books. We got more where that came from, the trivia stuff. Again, Matt Williams and Matt Anderson are ahead. Can't wait. Inside the game Gamecocks, the show built by the BarndoCo. We'll be right back.
4: Uh, got its name. And Chickencock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in
9: my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong
4: Gamecock fan and many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been a hundred percent satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Sierfoss, eight six four four one four five two seven one Callwell Banker Kane
9: in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that a dream and sometimes a nightmare. Columbia and go game.
1: Down here in the South. We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce of any goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate. We can all agree. There's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south.
7: It's the season of love, and there's no sweeter time and place to feel it than today at Love Chevrolet, the heart-pounding rumble of the Silverado High Country, the captivating 2024 Chevy Trax SUV, most affordable in its class. No matter what features you're looking for in a brand new Chevy, your match is waiting for you right now at Love Chevy. In this 63rd season of Love, your trusted hometown Chevy dealer is proud to carry on the tradition of honesty, integrity, and and treating customers like family. No fast talk, no gimmicks, no ridiculous add-on stickers. Simply the best selection of new Chevys at South Carolina's number one volume Chevy dealer right now and ready to drive home today. Don't forget about the $1,000 low price guarantee. Wow, there's a lot to love about Love Chevy. I-26 at Harbison and at loveshevy.com. Together, let's drive.
8: That's the power.
9: Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two
8: wheels.
9: (laughs) Magnum, Volatric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBytesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bites of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show.
1: Hey, Gamecock Nation. My name is Kyle, longtime listener of the show and avid golfer. I wanted to take my game to the next level, but let's face it, golf is a hard game to learn on your own. I heard the ad from McKellar Enterprises and reached out to the owner and former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor. In just two months of working with Meredith, I shot my lowest round ever, and I've never felt more confident in my golf game. So if you're looking to take your game to the next level, go to McKellarEnterprises.org and book your lesson today with former Gamecock golfer, Meredith Taylor. Go GameCon!
9: 1210, welcome back.
3: <laughs> I was trying, I was trying to get as much. out and, and it's time.
9: <laughs> I, I was trying to get in as much as I could. Um, <laughs> in the back room here. Um, but I, I couldn't finish it, so I just wrapped it. Anyways, sorry. I'm sorry guys, it's very childish. 1210, welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show uh, very proudly presented by Chickencock Whiskey, and of course, live in the Cinerama Studios, the National Anthem, brought to you proudly by Billy G's, Carolina Barbecue, it's the best stuff, it's been been voted the best stuff, three straight years, in the Midlands, by the state newspaper, they have their sauce, Carolina You can order, have it sent to your door, the Carolina Gold, the Sweet Heat, the Secret Rub. And if you're like, I just don't know, but you're planning to go watch Carolina baseball this year, Mr. Bill called me all giddy about this on Tuesday. It's signed now, sealed and delivered. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue will be the barbecue at the ballpark for your Gamecocks. Now, they won't be there opening weekend because of prior commitments. Sorry to... Rain barbecue sauce all over your parade. But after that, all the other ones, there they are. The big porker, the big Tex, the smoked mac and cheese that you can get a barbecue box. It's got brisket or barbecue, mac and cheese, barbecue beans, coleslaw, whatever sauce you want. Dude, can't wait. So very happy for our friend. He's a great guy. He keeps people happy because he's got good food, and who isn't happy with good food? Uh, and now, eight thousand of your friends at Founders Park will be lining up to get Billy G's Carolina Barbecue throughout the season. So, uh, really, really excited for Mister Bill and his entire staff there. So, if you're if you're over there, make sure you go go see Bill or or Will. Uh, his son is an awesome dude too, man. And they they can man they can they can they can do it now. They can smoke it up, cook it up, and get it out to you. And you'll just love it. Remember, you can order their catering, too. I mean, you like all that, right? Look at that. Who wouldn't want a graduation party catered with the Mac attack?
3: Yeah, that
9: looks delightful.
3: I want want to try it all. I hate they're not going to be there this weekend. (laughs) But uh, all the more reason to come back. (laughs) What are you having for your graduation party? Oh, well,
9: we're going to do pigs in a blanket and uh, some chips and some dip. What about you? We're going to have Mac attacks. Oh, what's that? Well, it's smoked mac and cheese with brisket on top. What? Yeah. You see? Yeah.
3: See? You win. You win. Just like that. It's over. There, there's you no can even hire the, the food
9: that. truck. Yeah. Those guys <laughs> are the best, man. Um, we work with the best, and, and we're really, really excited for them. So, yeah. cannot wait. Cannot wait. All right. Uh, in case you missed it, as in like you've been asleep for the last 18 hours, Justin Stepp is moving on to the University of Illinois to be there. Wide receivers coach, best of luck to Justin Step. Um, I'll read we, we discussed most of it earlier, but this note was passed along. Um a name to watch but nothing firm is Tim Brewster. Uh and his name has come up before uh for the tight ends job at South Carolina under Coach Beamer as well. So We'll keep an eye on that, but um, Tim Brewster been around a while. Been around a while. He he actually ended up going out there to Colorado with Dion for a little while. Um, nothing firm, but it was uh, forwarded to us just a little bit ago. So we'll keep our eyes on that. But uh, it does appear that South Carolina is set to hire a tight ends coach and. Unless something drastically changes as it stands today, that's what they'll be doing instead of moving things around and things like you know he'll he'll, coach Beamer will shift some roles and stuff like that. It doesn't look like that's what's going to happen on on this front. So uh, plenty of basketball to get to this weekend. Some really really good basketball last night, including that of a former South Carolina basketball player, Gigi Jackson, who became the youngest player in NBA history to score over twenty five points off of the bench. Kobe Bryant was the previous record holder for that. So hats off to GG Jackson who was a little surprised after the game to discover that he had set the new record in the NBA youngest player in history to score 25 plus off the bench. So that was a that was pretty neat for for him and really really neat to see. 27 points is what he had. 27 points is also what the leading score at Arizona and the leading score at Utah had in a game that went forever and it was awesome. In case any missed it three overtimes, eighth ranked Arizona pulls it out on the road in Utah, 105 to 99. And then the other top twenty-five game played in college hoops last night, 20th ranked Florida Atlantic hit the road for Birmingham, Alabama. And old Andy Kennedy's Blazers clipped them in OT as well. Seventy six to seventy three, the final score there. UAB now fifteen and eight on the season. That was on the men's side, of course. On the women's side, last night, again, in case you've been asleep for the last 18 hours, Missouri walked into Colonial Life Arena expecting to walk out with a with a whimper, and they did. Carolina blitzed them again, 83 to 45. Gamecocks now 22 and 0. Carolina men, Carolina women, 42 and three on the season, both of them at the 20 plus win plateau. Carolina also undefeated, of course, in SEC play. At 10-0, Missouri having a tough year at 11-12 and, 12 and uh, just 2-8 and eight in the league. The other women's basketball note that I'll quickly point out in case any of you – so the other night we saw something that we don't see often and I don't think we should see it often in the Auburn-Alabama game where Auburn shot 50, th- uh, 50 free throws, 50, 50 free throws like, dude, Come on. What are we doing? Like, that's one of the anomalies, right, Phil? Like, y- y-
3: get out of here with game that. It took forever for a game that was like literally when the action was going, like watching a tennis match, like this, back and forth and back and forth. I mean, the game just like it would stop. And then it was like, okay. And they both had the double bonus, I think, in the second half. My goodness, it was. Probably with about seven, eight minutes left in the game. I mean, every foul they're at the line and they just drug it on and on and on. But yeah, I mean, it was, it, that was a wild scenario. Wild scenario. Mm-hmm. And Alabama got beat, which was good for
9: South Carolina. Now let me read you what happened in the Iowa Penn State women's game last night. I C Y M I. That means in case you missed it that I've been learning the final score, the Hawkeyes won and they scored 111 points against a fellow big 10 opponent in four quarters of action. They didn't have to go to overtime or anything. So they hung 111 points on the board. Now they gave up 93 to the Nittany lions, which isn't good, but they still won by 18 points, a deeper dive into the box score. Tells you a couple of things that are. Iowa also shot a bunch of free throws. They shot 43. Now, that's not what stands out. There were 74 combined points between Caitlin Clark and Hannah Stelke. 74 between two players. One of them scored 47, and it wasn't Caitlin Clark. All right. Hannah Stelke scored 47 points for Iowa last night on 17 of 20 from the floor. She missed eight of her 21 free throws, or she would have been over 50. She didn't attempt a three point shot. That all sounds wild, and it is. But Caitlin Clark scored 27 on just 8 of 23 from the floor. She shoots a bunch every game. She was 4 of 14 from long range, 7 to 7 from the free throw line. She had 15 assists. And you're going, all right, where's this going, right? <laughs> Here's a number I've never seen before. In any level of basketball, in almost 40 years of life, I've never seen this. Caitlin Clark, in addition to her 15 assists, 5 rebounds, 1 block, and 27 points, Turned the basketball over 12 times in the game. Jeez. 12
3: turnovers. 12 turnovers. By apparently the national player of the year. Right, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you know, they're they're ready to crown her that now because she's a compiler, of uh, points compiler. Dude, she turned it over 12 times
9: and her teammates uh, scored 40. She turned it over 12 times. The team only turned it over 17 they scored 111 points and her teammate scored 47. Let me go back and say this again. She's turned it over 12 times. I can assure you of one thing: triple double. This is how much (laughs) Iowa needs Caitlin Clark, because I get, I can tell you one thing you could, you could write it. You could write it however you want to write it in ink. You can have it tattooed on your forehead. If you turn it over like six times for Dawn, you're coming out of the game. <laughs> she ain't going to give you the chance to turn it over 12 times. She's yeah, not. Something
3: tells me you're not going to be feeling real good after that. You're not going to get your 27 points. No. <laughs>
2: you got 12 turnovers.
3: 12 turnovers, dude. Wow. That's like the opposite of Talon Cooper, right? Because I mean, he's got a what you know, like one turnover to fifty assists ratio. I, think I mean, he has I know that's hyperbole, but yeah, but yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's almost a one one for old Miss Clark up there. In, uh, Dude, Ohio. I I
9: I I just really, I mean, she's a scorer. She's an outstanding. Like I'm not one of these people that that, that, that it's going to try to, you know, in any way, shape, or form, degrade or downgrade or critique or criticize anything of what type of a player she is she's an excellent no, player, player yeah. unbelievable
3: but but wow. dude what a number
9: she turned it over 12 times and jacob said she's averaged five a game every game she's played great she turned it over 12 times five and 12 i mean like 12 it's just uh, that that's that can't happen you know what i mean and you know you, you could score all you want to but when you get into the final four against teams like south carolina can't turn it over twelve times,
3: so yeah. I mean, I wonder what points off were, uh, for those turnovers and and what the team total was as well. Because you're right, that 17. was my initial. Once you get in, once you get deep into this tournament, and you got like the top eight, sixteen teams in there, they're gonna make you pay for those big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
9: I mean, she does turn it over a bunch, and and it's pretty. It's it is outrageous um, that she like if you go back to the beginning of the year i mean she's turned it over nine times twice never over nine 12 turnovers last night i mean it it's it's really it really isn't good but it just goes to show you i mean she she plays you know 37 minutes a game dude i mean she scores you know whatever it is 37 points a game i mean she's had like 15 triple doubles or double doubles or whatever it is this year i mean she's in the last 3 games alone she scored 35 38 and 27 and she's assisted 10 12 and 15 times like that's how many is that 37 assists in 3 games that's nutty like that's crazy yeah. but you can't turn it over 12 times that's just that just that's awful for someone who's supposed to be national player of the year so anyways um uh one other quick and I don't know the details behind this at all but uh uh Jaw Ja has uh as announced last night before the game by Sacramento Women's Basketball, uh, been indefinitely suspended due to conduct detrimental to the team. So probably not going to see her in the foreseeable future for uh, for the Gamecocks. And, of course, they've got UConn coming up this weekend, and Camila Cardoso is already going to be out of that bowl game. It's a a two o'clock tip. We'll be a neat, uh, neat audience because you got the Super Bowl that afternoon too. So for somebody that just gets exhausted with six, seven hours of pregame coverage for the Super Bowl, that's a nice little break uh, to be able to watch some quality stuff between um, between the Huskies and the Gamecocks. So looking forward, looking forward to that. All right, uh, we do need to step aside and uh, we'll hit a, a little bit of a longer timeout here. But Matt Williams is the pitching coach for South Carolina basketball or baseball. And they'll throw the first pitches next weekend at Founders Park. He's going to join us when we get back to preview the staff, talk about his career, and talk about now being the guy that's running all those dudes who will be pitching throughout the year for the Gamecocks. Uh, Being in that locker room, it's got to be neat for him. So we're excited to have those conversations. So don't go anywhere. Gamecock Traditions is where you can get your Gamecock baseball gear it's time to play ball. They've got it all with the SC logo. They're the state's largest Under Armour dealer. Carolina baseball hats, the game hats. Yeah, like the ones that they wear out there on the field, whether they're garnet or black or whatever it is. It's all in stock at Gamecock Traditions. You can order it online, gamecottraditions.com And then, of course, you can head to the Village at Sand Hill or out in Lexington and walk in on location and go ahead and start stacking up the Gamecock baseball gear because it's going to be a long season at Founders Park Matt Williams up next here on Inside the Gamecocks the show Gamecock Traditions South Carolina's elite retailer for anything Gamecock related the best selection for basketball baseball football tailgating kids stuff and everything else if it's got the Gamecock logo it's got to be at Gamecock Traditions most importantly they ship it to your doorstep order online at GamecockTraditions.com where there's always a sale gamecock traditions gamecock a tradition unlike the others
0: south carolinians this message is for you as well as for people in georgia florida and tennessee GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle, free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
9: Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet-style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7365.
8: you <sighs>
6: you know it
9: One week, one week away from Carolina baseball returning to Founders Park here in 2024. Can't wait. Inside the Gamecocks, the show served by Chicken Cock Bourbon and our friends at Dixie Vodka. And now we're joined by, this is the first time, but hopefully one of many times, Matt Williams, the pitching coach for Carolina baseball as he's getting his guys ready to throw their first pitches of the season next weekend. And we can't thank you enough, dude. It's really good to see you. I'm glad we've got you and can't wait to run you out there, too, for your first real game as a pitching coach for the Gamecocks.
2: Yeah, Jamie, thanks for you guys having me. I mean, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that that first weekend, Odin Day, tired of scrimmaging against these hitters that we have, uh, ready ready to face some different opponents.
9: Man, I, I, yeah, I get it. I get it, dude. All right, man, so I know you won't want to do this, but I'm going to do it with you anyways because you deserve it. Um, I, I do want to – dance around with your career a little bit you've you've been doing this a long time and and as a first year pitching coach I only feel like it's first year pitch coach for the Gamecocks I only feel like it's right to make sure that people understand who Matt Williams is and and what you've done and and why you're here there's a reason why you're at the University of South Carolina now but grew up an outstanding arm your dad Mr. Tommy Williams one of the best baseball coaches in the history of this state um you know, and, then, and then, of course, you've coached travel ball, you've coached junior college, you know, being at Liberty and Wilmington and all those places. So I want to give you a, a chance to kind of walk through your life and, and and just how unique it is now to be the guy at the University of South Carolina, a place you've been familiar with since you were born.
2: Yeah, St- Steve Williams, Steve Williams, Tom, Tommy I mean, Williams. It's, it's, I, yeah, it's all good. Tommy Williams was at Lexington, <laughs> uh, yeah. now Lancaster, obviously. But no, yeah, I mean, Steve. I grew up, grew up in Lancaster, son of a coach. I was I was always around the game. Uh, really, really enjoyed like just meeting different people at a younger age and just getting to know them, especially a lot of South Carolina coaches that are still coaching. Uh, yeah. So that part's really cool. Uh, then start started coaching at Sparmer Methodist, like you mentioned, uh, was there for eight years uh, at the junior college level, then went to UNC Wilmington, spent five years over at UNC Wilmington where we were eliminated in two regionals by the Gamecocks uh, mm-hmm. once, once here and then once at East Carolina in 2018, I think it was. And uh from there, went to work for the Padres. Uh, worked in a couple different capacities there with the Padres. Did a little international scouting, uh, through some big league BP, and then also was a pitching coach at the uh, minor league level for them. Uh, after that, I was at Liberty for the last four years uh, before coming here.
9: You know, it's it, it's so cool. I want to go back to JUCO because I spent a year at SMC, yep. and um, and you of you were you were there coaching with Coach Wallace, who's maybe the best juco coach in the history of juco. I don't know. He's a tough son of a gun. I know that. Um, But I think that a really, that level of baseball really presents a unique opportunity. Uh, I I don't know if you would, I think you would probably agree with that. And and if you want to coach um, developing players and things like that, can you kind of expand on that a little bit and how, being at the JUCO level, the type of player you get, some of them need grades, some of them just need to develop, some of them are just beginning to develop, and that's a place where they can go kind of grow into themselves a little bit. How that helped you maybe become a little bit better of a baseball coach?
2: Yeah, like you said, I mean, you're coaching all different facets of life. I mean, we had guys that were really good students, we had guys that were average students, and then we had some guys that weren't weren't so good students, uh, and, and they come from different backgrounds, and I think just just getting to know each individual player. I think that was the big thing. We didn't have all the bells and whistles. Obviously, you know that at Sparberg Methodist, but like we, we got to work every day and, uh, just, just getting to know how each individual learns and kind of connecting with them, I think was, was one of the bigger things for me, but also like just, just the different hats that you have to wear at that level. Uh, pitching coach, recruiting coordinator, you may, you may have to, you may have to cut some grass. You may have to rake some, rake some, uh, corners, that kind of stuff. Take care of the mound. Uh, Fortunately, I don't have to do that stuff anymore. Uh, so that, that part's that part's pretty cool.
9: Yeah, dude. If you would have if you would have walked into the locker room last summer when King hired you, and he said, well, "And by the way, you know, on Wednesdays you're going to have to cut the
3: grass."
2: <laughs> so, yeah, how, how, how good are
3: you with a weed eater, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: dude, No more, no more weed eating and washing clothes. So that's that's yeah, yeah, good. right. Yeah. Well, that's where i was
9: going
3: next because JUCO, you, you
9: you, you oh, got to yeah. do laundry. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, that's right. They're asking
3: me uh, what your best stain re- remover is, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no doubt. Um,
9: so, and I think that – doesn't that help you? Like when you evaluate kids and you're recruiting, whether it was at Liberty or at Wilmington, now it's South Carolina, you, if you've been in JUCO before, either played there or coached there, you, you know it, it. It probably helps you see through and into sometimes that player maybe a little bit differently than somebody that's never been at that level before.
2: Yeah, I think it just gives you a little bit different perspective on, on things and and just how how you're gonna in- envision what this guy might be because at the junior college level you're you're looking at sometimes some projects and yeah. like how's that project gonna develop and I think we we may take on hopefully we're getting a little more polish here but like I mean you may take on that guy that like has some arm strength and you gotta you gotta try to figure out the strikes that kind of yeah. stuff so yeah I mean obviously that that was definitely a thing at at Spartan Methodist.
9: Any dude that was ever volunteering to do laundry was always a guy that I felt like it was a team player. You know, at least you knew he'd be a good locker room guy. No doubt. Um, yeah, right. All right, so so let's fast forward. So what's it been like for you, man? Uh, when you walked when you walked through the door that first day of work last year, like what were what was going through you?
2: Oh, I mean, it's it's been great, man. I mean, like just just being back home in your home state, uh, the people you know around here. My wife went to school here, uh, so just just being here, and I mean, it's a place that when I started coaching, it's a place that I, I wanted to coach at some point in my career. And then yeah. fortunately I'm, I'm here now.
9: And you're in there with Monty. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to, to coach King at all. I love, love, love coach King and Joey Holcomb and all those guys. Monty's a guy like you, he's a state guy. It's got to be unique for the two of you to be on the same staff. you have know each other
2: forever. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool because I actually played my, my sophomore or my actually my freshman year. Uh, Monty was an assistant at Spartanburg Methodist when I was on the team yeah. uh so we, we go way back and yeah I mean it's it's been great coming to the office every day and him here and and being able to talk hitting uh like what, what are they thinking on that side of things and and also just just from a pitching standpoint I mean he's very very knowledgeable guy I mean he's he's obviously been a head coach for a long time uh now now in an assistant role but like just just having those having those moments where you can talk to a guy that's that's been in it it's it's pretty cool
9: that, that it's not always like that, is it, Matt? You know, when you're in a locker room with it, with a staff, not, not that you wouldn't get along with a staff or anything like that, but just having that, that extra security blanket. I mean, it's, it's such an open deal with a guy that you've been involved with for 25 years or more in the game of baseball. You know, it's, it, you just don't get that everywhere. So you, you feel like when you're having these conversations, you're trying to develop your staff and get guys in different roles and figure out who's going to do what. And, and Monty's trying to figure out, things on his side and when you can have those conversations honestly the way that you that y'all probably do on and off the field I'm sure that I mean that's when we got to help the guys at the end of the day
2: yeah no it's been it's been really good to just bounce some things I mean we were actually outside yesterday and talking about just holding runners at second base and he, he was able to give a valuable piece into like hey what they're trying to do is base runners and and really really help our pitchers and, and help myself also
9: Matt Williams, pitching coach for the Gamecocks. All right, so let's talk about the guys. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think it's going to be fair to you, and I'm sure you defer to, to Coach King anyways to let him talk about starting rotations and stuff like that. I, I know, I know, I think Roman's having a couple of issues with his arm that he's going to want to get figured out. But, but we'll start with the guys that you're that you're identifying as your weekend guys and your midweek guys. Kind of, I'll I'll leave it to you. Kind of run through that group and and what you've been impressed with with all of them thus far.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've been off to a pretty good start here in the early preseason. I mean, I think the guys have come back and uh, we've attacked the zone uh, a little bit better than we did at times in the fall. So, I mean, uh, I would say Jones, Eskew, Becker, Kimball, I mean, all all those guys, I mean, kind of fighting for that that weekend rotation. I mean, you mentioned Roman. It's honestly more precautionary on our end with Roman. I mean, obviously he's coming off the injury and we want to make sure that guy's with us all year. Uh, So he had a little soreness after his last start. Uh, we kind of said, hey, we'll take it easy this week and, and kind of see where we are. He's actually going to play catch today. So uh, as far as like an injury, no, nah, I don't feel feel like it's an injury for him. It's more just like, hey, let's be cautious. Let's make sure this guy's with us all year. So
9: are y'all going to tape his camera to his hat this year when he pitches so he, he- –
2: <laughs> that's that's a good question right right now we're not we uh we do allow him to do that stuff in the bullpen and stuff like that but when when he's uh when he's pitching he's got to separate it and go out there to compete and get some sec hitters out i don't think uh we need to put that camera on the hat is,
9: is yes yeah, he been like putting a staff together or something is it you know like when hey look here at beach when i'm on the mound this is play you know, get a. This is right. the angle you want. You know, no. I've seen I've
2: seen it. a couple different guys with that camera. So yeah, he's he's pretty smart and creative. He'll figure out who can do it and who can't.
9: Look, it, you you know what I'm about to say. Baseball locker rooms camera might want to make sure you go through the footage before you start putting that stuff out on the on the internet, right? No, nah, yeah. I
2: think you know knows when to press pause. Uh, yeah, right. That's yeah. Probably that's probably, right. it's probably, probably a,
3: a serious editing. Yeah.
2: Probably
9: a sure.
3: smart move. Okay.
9: So.
2: Have Matt
3: like, but sorry, JB, not to cut you no, off, no. but this yeah, the sure. short preseason that you have in these just few weeks and, and like little glimpses that you get. Is that is that tough to manage from a standpoint, especially with a guy like Kimball who's coming off of injury to not press him too hard, but you're still trying to get these guys ready to go? I mean, what's what's that balance like for you, even even with a healthy
2: arm? Yeah, no, I mean, you try to communicate with those guys each day. I mean, Veach is another one that's coming off an injury, he had hip labrum surgery. Uh, and didn't pitch in the fall. So really just trying to get to know him. But also, like, for Roman, it's more like, hey, you haven't competed in a long time. We need to get him out there and just start that that competition level and, like, what's it like to compete? Because, you know, yeah. when the adrenaline gets going, it's it's a little different than just throwing a side session bullpen. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. So, I mean, he – I think that's a little bit of a setback for him. But, like, I mean, just, just getting those guys out there and getting them familiar, it's going to be much better when we're facing another team. Yeah, I will say right. that.
9: Yeah, so we were talk- we were talking to Coach Lake earlier, and uh, and I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I kind of spit this out at Matt and let him describe it as being the pitching coach. So you you have the fall, and then you've got that break, which I know your these guys have things they need to do while they're while they're on break, and then they come back, and then you've got this isn't spring. You get your winter workouts basically, and then you're getting ready to go. Um, but you know, you get the reports. Guys like our buddy John Whittle, you know, they report on what they see, and the numbers come out. Oh my God, we walked all these guys, and this, that, and the other. But, uh, but as a pitching coach, like your job is to figure out what these guys can and can't do, and to, and what pitches they can and can't throw in certain counts, and 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 nibble, 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 and all you know, all those type things. Can can you kind of give us your perspective on that, and, and how how to how you develop pitchers, especially guys? Michael Polk, for instance, he's a transfer. You're just getting to know him. You know, he's had some issues in the past. Like, you have to work through all these things with these guys individually, and you got to figure out the best thing for their future. So that's not always going to lead to elite stat lines in the fall and in the preseason and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're you're 100% right there, JB. I mean, like, it's for me, it's more about, like, attacking the plate and, and constantly talking about attacking the plate versus, like, hey, can we throw strikes? It's, like, attack, attack, attack. So we're in that mindset of, like, attacking the hitter uh but as as far as like just trying some different things we've thrown some pitches that we might not throw in certain situations when it becomes springtime for sure uh just to see if a guy can do it uh can 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 we get a ground ball double play out of this guy right here with with a two-seamer uh can we get a swing and miss with a change up that that he does it's maybe his third pitch but he he needs to work on it and he needs to work on i know take we talking about roman a lot right, right here but he he needed to work we were in a third inning of one of his outings and he needed to work on his changeup. And I think we threw five changeups in a row and th- they were all pretty good. And then all of a sudden we had to hit a run into one uh, for, for a home run, but it was like, Hey man, that was a good pitch, but we were working on something. You got to understand that. And he he's, he's pretty level-headed. So he, he, he took it, he took it like, okay, yeah, I get it. But, uh, but yeah, we definitely want to find some things out, what guys can do, what they can't do, that kind of stuff before we actually suit up and play another team.
9: So in football, once you, when you watch the spring game, or you uh, you you check out the reports of preseason practice and you oh, oh damn the offense is man they're whipping that defense boy there's there's defensive guys they might not be very good this year or vice versa do you have a is there any way to judge that in baseball offense defense
2: I mean it, it can be tough I mean you never know how a guys going to react until you put them in a in a game like situation in an environment like this I mean uh, obviously we think. We think we have some things figured out, but ultimately, you don't know till the till the lights come on.
9: How about Eli? Um, got to know him a little bit last year. Man, is there a better kid out there than than Eli Jones?
2: Tremendous wow. kid. I mean, kid. Hard, hard worker. Uh, does, does everything you ask. I mean, he's he he just is very level headed and and comes in, gets his work done. Uh, can really talk pitching with. Uh, so he he's been a lot of fun to be around.
9: Yeah, that th- these guys, you've got a you've got a really interesting staff. I just a couple of years ago, I I don't even know if they had a left-hander on the staff. I think Becker might have been the only one when he got here as a freshman or something like that. And and I'm kind of going that direction because I want to talk about Matthew Becker. He's he's a very unique arm. He's a, he's obviously a lefty and he's got some things. He's had some ups and he's had some downs, but it, it does it just feels like from the outside looking in, he's a guy that probably needs to have some success for this staff to really do what it's capable of doing. So kind of walk us through what you've been able to do with him over the last few months and and how he's come along and, and what he means to this this group of guys.
2: Yeah, he's huge. Like you said, I mean, he, he's a big piece of this. So we need that guy to get deep into some games. Uh, I think I think Becker, the biggest thing we've tried to do with him is like simplify. Uh, just make it really simple for him uh, with the fastball, curveball mainly. He has a changeup also. But I think just learning, learning what he can do against certain hitters and, and that kind of stuff has been – has been big. I mean, his his ball really—it's a ton of carry on his fastball. His curveball has a tremendous depth. Uh, so you got balls moving in different directions, and just getting him to understand, like, hey, you don't have to be too fine, man. It's like attack the plate. Like your stuff's going to play over the plate versus it doesn't matter who the hitter is. Honestly, yeah,
9: yeah. And hey, who's who's got the best pitch on the team? Is it oh, change changeup or?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, Dylan Esque's got a pretty good sinker going right now. That's. It's been pretty impressive. But V Ve- change changeup's really good. Uh man, there's a Tyler Pitzer, a freshman. He's got a really good sweeper. Uh he's gonna be a fun one for you to watch.
9: So, dude, the sweeper, all right, let's let's talk about that for a minute. I know you got a yeah. you know you got a job to do. I'm not gonna keep you here all day, but but we could Let's, let's find another time. We've got like my, maybe five or six hours and we can talk about this. <laughs> um, well, we'll be at the ballpark next week for That's our, for right our, our live Friday? show okay. in the pregame. So, uh, <laughs> the you know, we'll just pull you out of pregame and, you know. <laughs> um, so th- this we were talking to Will Crow a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. Will was telling me, he's like, man, I've got six pitches now. I said, six pitches? God, boy, how's baseball changed? I hadn't played the game in 18 years. I feel like I'm, you know, 70 years old. Um but he was talking about his sweeper and how he holds it and all that stuff, and he's kind of kind of showing us. And those th- How difficult is – I mean, that's a new pitch. So, like, how hard is it for these guys at 18, 19, 20, 21 years old when they've been throwing, you know, slider, curveball, change up off of their fastball their whole lives, all of a sudden to get into a split or get into a sweeper and things like that? Like, do you? how do you coach that?
2: Well, it, it is tough, like you said, because the sweeper ultimately is a bigger pitch. And when you talk about guys throwing strikes, uh, you, you really you don't really want to add a bigger pitch to a guy that struggles to throw strikes because it is such a hard pitch to land. Uh, yeah. and, and Pitzer just he, I mean he mainly throws our sweepers. Uh, I mean it, it's a big pitch moving anywhere from like 17 to 20 inches across the plate. and, and you, you think about that. I mean if it's moving 17 inches, it's moving the full plate. Uh, so that can be really, really hard to land. And a lot of guy, a lot of guys, you don't really want to take them down that route. It, 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 ultimately, it takes a lot of guys with feel. I mean, you got to have tremendous feel to be able to throw that thing and throw that thing consistently.
9: Yeah. So aim it at their hip, and uh, if you hit them,
2: <laughs> then you hit them. <laughs> then you, then you
9: hit them, man. But It'll if you're going to hit them, let's, let's throw the <laughs> fastball. Um, yeah. I, I, I know. I find it fascinating. But in, in all of this, though, in all seriousness, all this ties together with the kid that you're going to put behind the plate this year. God willing, he stays healthy. I'm sure he'll get a night off here or there, but not many. Yeah. Uh, Colt Messina, he's—I'm not even going to say anything else. We've watched him play. I, 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 the only thing I will add is I think from his freshman year to where he is as a junior, he is night and day behind the plate. Yeah. Um, what, what does he mean to this staff?
2: Oh, I mean, obviously he brings a ton of experience. I mean, he's—he's he's very valuable to the staff. I mean, he just—just just getting to know the guys and knowing what I want to do and what they need to do, and I think he's done a tremendous job in the preseason of, of really getting to know those guys. And uh, man, I mean, I hope we keep him back there and keep him healthy all year. Cause I mean, he, he's kind of a workhorse back there. Uh, not to mention, I mean, how he swings a bat. Yeah,
9: that's scary. Are you, you'll call the
2: pitches, right? Yeah, I'll call the pitches. Obviously Cole and I will talk between innings and, yeah. and Hey, what are you seeing back there? What are you seeing versus sitter that kind of stuff? I think the communication is going to be very, very valuable uh, mm-hmm. because obviously I, I'm sitting off to the side. I've watched film on these guys, but, He's the one that's actually sitting back there behind the plate so he he sees the game a little bit differently and if there's some something, something that he sees that we need to go with then I mean that's something we'll, we'll talk about
9: so how do you how do you manage it you know with guys who maybe have some some sort of authority to say they to shake you off and say nah i'm I'm not throwing that here is can they do that? You know, no.
2: no it, well, I mean, we have a conversation and we'll, we'll know some things. But I also want a guy to be 100% committed to the pitch that he's going to throw. It's not just a pitch that I feel like we need to throw. If he's if he's halfheartedly committed, then like how good a pitch is it really? But if he's committed to another pitch and he he feels really good about it and I think it's right, then okay, I'm, I'm willing to go with that.
9: So, how about from the development of a catcher's standpoint? I mean, you understand the big leagues, uh, minor league baseball. I mean, those guys, they call the game, you know, yeah. in, but in college, most, most, the large majority of the time, it's, it's coming from the dugout. Like, <clears throat> will there be any point where you try to here and there give some authority to, to, to Cole or any of the other catchers to be able to call their own game from time to time?
2: Well, I, th- I think there'll be moments. I mean, it, it's tough. And, I mean, you talk about professional versus college. It's it's a little bit tougher. Our guys are going to class, and, like, they don't have time to study hitters like the professional guys do. Because, like, when you, when you talk about a professional catcher and, and what they're doing for the pitcher, like, they, they sit down and they study a lot of things, and they know trends and that kind of stuff. And, I mean, we, we don't – I mean, I, I'll sit down and, like, we'll watch video together with Cole, but, like, I'm not asking him to watch video on his own and come up with his own game plan. I mean, I think that's something that he's still learning. Uh, but obviously, if he, like I said, if he sees something and he thinks we need to go to it, I mean, he he sat back there all last year, so he he knows what it's like and he knows what it's supposed to look like. So uh, I feel comfortable with him him doing that.
9: All right, you um from a depth perspective, do, do you feel like you you're, you're kind of starting to to get things ironed out? Not, j- I mean, I know you have your guys that you're considering starting on the weekends, and then more than likely out of that group and maybe plus some. Midweek guys, but from a bullpen standpoint, do, do you feel like you're close as far as what roles guys are or at least going to begin filling at this at the start of the season?
2: Uh we we have an idea. I mean, like it's we we have a group of pitchers that I mean that are really starting to separate themselves a little bit and uh ultimately I think that can be our bullpen. Uh mm-hmm. but as far as like putting them in situations right now, I mean, it's still going to be trying to figure them out come game time. Like who who what role that kind of stuff. Uh, but we have some ideas on where guys may fall. I mean, obviously Veach is a guy that's finished some games in the past. I mean, Garrett Ganey's a guy that's been throwing the ball tremendously well in mm-hmm. in scrimmages, uh, Ty Good's got a ton of experience from the college of Charleston. Uh, Austin Williamson got some experience as a freshman last year. Uh, so we, we have some guys, obviously you mentioned Polk earlier, man, I'm ready for that guy to get healthy because what a good arm, uh, I need, yeah. need him to get cleared. Um, uh, Ricky Williams is a guy with some experience uh, coming off an injury. He had Tommy John. Uh, he's probably, I would say, March before he's ready to go against hitters. Uh, but, and then one other guy that I hadn't mentioned is uh, Jake McCoy, a kid coming off a back injury. He was uh, a late pickup for us. He's a freshman. Uh, he had a back injury this fall, and uh, he, he's getting healthy. Man, his, his catch play looks really good. He's going to throw his first bullpen tomorrow. Uh, I think he could be a valuable piece for us uh, out of that pen.
9: Is, is is it um are you one of these guys that it's important at some point in time sooner than later to have an established back end of your bullpen because I, I know some coaches are you know well whoever fills that role but like is that important to you having had having a couple of setup guys having a closer
2: i think that's big but obviously you there're there gonna be moments in the game where we need to get big three outs in the seventh inning and can can we push that guy through the seventh inning and finish it with somebody else? But like, getting the, getting those last three outs, as you know, I mean, you played this game. It's uh, the last three outs can be tough. Uh, yeah. So you got to have a guy that's got the mindset to be able to get those last three. But I mean, we're we're going to be able to piece some things together. I think. I mean, I just need a bunch of arms and there. are A couple more uh, that are that are throwing the ball well. So like, just just piecing that bullpen together, I think, is going to be key. Make sure we put them in the right places.
9: Matt, uh, we're not going to keep any longer. We're, we'll let you run on that note. I I, I know uh, you're you're married and I your son is
2: two, two and a and a half. Two, yeah, okay. almost. He'll be three in May. So,
9: so how's he doing? Is he has he been coming out there running around the bases and stuff like that?
2: He he comes out here, uh, especially on Fridays. They get out here after after he goes to school. My wife gets off work and uh, come watch a scrimmage. And he loves sticking around to the end and and running around a little bit for sure.
9: Oh, dude, I bet I bet that's just tremendous. Yeah, it's awesome.
2: It's awesome. I bet yeah, I,
9: for you as a dad, having your kid out there running around the ball field, man, there's nothing better. Yep. There's just nothing better. So sure. congratulations uh, to you and your family. It's it's really neat to see in a Gamecock uniform. I mean, it, I remember last year when JP was headed off, and, and I remember someone had mentioned your name. I said, boy, I hope that happens, and it did. Uh, you deserve it with everything you've done in your career. South Carolina is lucky to have you be their pitching coach. And, um, and can't wait to see you here in about a week. And best of luck this season, man.
2: Appreciate you guys having me.
9: Always, always. Thank mm-hmm. you. All right, take care. There you go. Matt Williams, the pitching coach for your Gamecocks. They will, again, throw the uh, first pitches at 4 o'clock, 4.02, according to uh, Coach Lake, next uh, next Friday at Founders Park when Miami of Ohio
3: comes to town. Yeah.
8: Did you learn anything there, something. Matt
3: Dog? Yeah, it was neat, you know, kind of getting that inside perspective from, uh, you know, especially with him being new to the team. Right. And and what he's seeing and, uh, you know, versus, you know, what, you know, like you said, Whittle is reporting from what he sees and other things like that. And, you know, just, a, you know, the role of Cole and everything and, and you know, how he's interested in getting his input and all of that it just seems like he's really open to the experience and and you could tell he's got plenty of years experience behind him when he's you know talking about these evaluations and things like that of these arms
9: yeah and i own a pot i cannot believe i said tommy williams steve williams his dad
7: <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> well,
9: i know who both are right like, wait a second I they both williams?
3: started you know they're both coaching at schools that start with l i mean you know it's, it's you know, yeah Yeah. (laughs) well
9: it's it's it it really is i wanted to make sure that he elaborated on being a juco guy because there's an interesting perspective for dudes that um when you've been in a juco locker room and see it's it's such a mixed bag of kids i mean like he pointed out you know you'll get some kids out there that are that are academic casualties but they can piece it together for a year or two they can play and then you'll end up seeing them somewhere you know playing places like Carolina Clemson wherever um and then you got guys I mean they're they, I mean shoot I can't I can't even begin to tell you how many dudes that and I mean I was kind of one of them my story is different but of the guys that ended up being very successful like dudes who just their senior year were, were good players but they just weren't quite there yet and they were able to spend a year or two in places like SMC or now you know Sumter or um, Lewisburg back in the day or, or wherever it is, and and so you get blends of that, and you see who kind of really wants it. Like who really wants to play baseball at the end of January in thirty degree weather <laughs> when you in a doubleheader in middle Georgia, and then right, yeah. after how, the how game.
3: Committed yeah
9: <laughs> yeah and then after the game you're the cat that's that's stuck in the laundry room washing clothes until two in the morning you know you learn a lot about kids and what type of kids you're signing and recruiting and things like that and so um i wanted to make sure that you discuss that but matt Mo- matt Williams, he's a talented pitching coach and what's really neat too and we'll, we got to hit a timeout but he's the fifth um pitching coach at south carolina since 1996. And the others are named Jerry Myers, who's the head coach at Middle Tennessee State, uh Mark Calvi, who's the head coach at South Alabama, skylar mead who's the head coach at Troy, and Justin Parker, who's the pitching coach now at Mississippi State. Like if you if you're the pitching coach for the Gamecocks, you go on to do some pretty nice things with your career. And um and you know I'm lucky enough to know all those guys and they are Dudes. They're dudes. And uh Matt Williams is another one. So look forward to seeing his staff uh, get going. I, I would say this too to fans. Um I, didn't, I don't know. They might they might run out there next weekend and be lights out for 27 innings. I have no idea. But if they're not, I wouldn't
3: jump to any conclusions. No. So no. and you could see how eager he was when he said we're just happy to be. Here going up against another team's hitters. Right. Yeah, like really. the way he leans in, the yes. body language, everything about that was like, yeah. give us a different lineup and and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it won't look quite like what it does now. <laughs>
9: Ethan asked an interesting question. Petri, other than Ethan or Cole, who's uh, going to be the unexpected difference maker in the lineup? I think Tippett. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few names. That's, that's not a bad name to throw in there, dude. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of them you really could, could plug in right now. I mean, I, I can tell you Blake Jackson is ready to go. Uh, Tyler Causey is a guy who's he's going to hit one. I don't know when he's going to hit it. Might be next weekend, might be the weekend after, but he's going to hit one. Your jaw is going to drop as to how far that thing goes. Um. You know, those guys, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, Gavin and Casas and, and, and Talmage Lee Croy, I mean, Cor- Carson Horning, these kids can play, and they can hit. And Horning had to deal with some issues last year, and now Tal's had to deal with some issues. Those guys are relatively healthy. They can play. I mean, so I wouldn't discount any of them. Um, Evan Stone, I want to leave him. I mean, these are all guys who've been around a while. And you've got a bunch of dudes who've been around a while. Yeah. You're generally in pretty good shape, and all these cats have been. Uh, and, uh, Kennedy Jones is a freaking dude. I know he struggled a little bit, but hopefully when the lights come on, this cat is going to be, he's going to be something to, to to watch. He can just
3: flat out swing it. So we'll see,
9: we'll see what happens. Um,
3: I do know this balance between, you know, defense and and power, I think, especially even with the designated hitter spot, I think that it's going to be, there won't be anything. Uh, You may see different lineups and I wouldn't find that very concerning. (laughs) Yeah.
9: No. Yeah. I wouldn't know. They're not you will. for answers that you're going you're going to see three different lineups next weekend. Yeah. You, Martin, mm-hmm. you can you can write that down yeah. right now. There's no doubt. All right. Uh we gotta go. It's one yeah. o'clock. Uh Matt Anderson's gonna join us. Uh, we've got GameCop basketball ticket. Hoop hoop.
3: We've got hoops going on. That matter. <laughs> it's game time. Hoop.
9: Um, and we have the Super Bowl. Yeah. I've got good stuff for y'all with this Super Bowl. Super Jesus. Bowl, action trivia. Big game. Crap. Yeah. So don't go anywhere. It's the final hour of the work week. You're going to love it. Mad Dog. We'll all take a shot of Chicken Cock, and we'll be right back.
0: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
10: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price
6: plan today. Touchdown, Brewer. Set up
7: the screen and it goes to Brewer.
6: 20, 15, 10, 5.
7: Pitches
4: it to Brewer,
7: turns to Cody, touchdown, number three of the afternoon.
6: Hey folks, it's Mike Morgan for Ryan Brewer Fence. That's right, you know the former Gamecock legend as a terrific college football player. Well, I know him as that too. I also know him as the guy that runs a great business, one of the best businesses in South Carolina. How do I know that? Well, for one, I'm actually a client of Ryan's. I had my home in Columbia done years ago, and his crew did an outstanding job just as he does For everybody else Whether you're in the market For a fence, railings, columns Or anything in between Their craftsmanship Their experience and service Second to none Ryan Brewer Fence Has over 15 years of experience With consultation and installation Of residential and commercial Fencing and railings Rest assured Your job will be done with an unparalleled level of expertise and it's done on time and they do it right the first time again you're not going to do any better than ryan brewer ryan brewer fence the website is ryanbrewer.net set up an appointment today tell them mike sent you
4: my company is billy g's carolina barbecue we are based in columbia south carolina and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food.
5: It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious.
0: The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you.
10: Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today.
9: 105 final hour of the work week it is february the 9th welcome back to inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the barn Co. and driven by our friends at love chevy we love love chevy find new roads at love chevy love chevy. Dot com. dixie vodka serves the chief sports network it's almost time for the weekend or the freaking weekend as phil calls it Make sure you put uh, Dixie Vodka in. Uh, let's see, your water, orange juice, cranberry juice, apple juice, um, Sprite, any juice. Tonic. It's good with any juice, tonic, um, or just straight, J.B. Yeah, just, just to the face. And though <laughs> they say to the face. That so used, yeah, I used it's, to it's be mine. my drink it was just. Oh, no, that's tequila. The Sorry. <laughs> hey, do y'all want to get Brewing Nation going? Till. Why not? I, mean, I don't what, know. let's tell let's tell this Bayou cat. Yeah. Robbie Ashford's they, a starter, dude. Yeah, they brought Robbie Ashford. Don't listen to Bruin. Robbie <laughs> Ashford's <laughs> going to start at South Carolina.
3: <laughs> As a, yeah, that's right.
9: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's. I'm t- You're right, dude. Yeah. Hey, Bayou, Bayou. I think this cat. He's. He says Bayou Tiger fan, but he's got a Tennessee ball in his little thing there.
3: He did say all that right. he had to change his handle due to losing a bet. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, but he's actually a. I've been I've been monitoring the chat box here, you know. So <laughs> welcome in that. by you tiger fan. He is a. Got <laughs> nothing better to do today, today on Friday.
9: <laughs> this is, is the most I've engaged in the chat box in three weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I just I just I'm gonna try to get. Uh, I'm going to try to get my man brewing going and then let him take it from there and I'll move on. I'm going to step out of the way. (laughs)
3: That's right. That's right.
9: See, Marion, Marion drink. Oh, Mary. Oh, your wife. I I thought Marion was saying he drinks vodka while he's delivering the mail. Yeah. I was like, hold on.
3: Not till you get home, Mary. I swore (laughs) that was
9: 1426. (laughs) Marion, it's, it's, it's nine seventeen. Oh, Oh, all right. Uh, one Oh (laughs) five. Uh, Well, hope the only reason I even said that, and again, this is not good radio because people that are just listening to this are like, who the, who the hell is this guy talking to? That's right. This uh, is for the podcast
3: audience. That you do miss a whole show that goes on here to the right of my screen. Well, that's true. It goes on underneath what you get to see on YouTube. Yeah. But yeah, there there is a show within the show here. So <laughs> hope the, the the I know that you're in there, so we're we're safe because you you're the you're the mediator.
9: You have the right words at the right times to calm people down. Brune will get him going, uh, and then I'm just gonna stop. I'm just gonna
10: stop there. I'm, I'm not. Gonna yeah, everybody's pray. riled up on a Friday. I, KB. Everybody's just, riled up. I'll, I'll, yeah, we're gonna you know, go. to, we're gonna
3: we're gonna spend the next hour getting everybody mad at us, and then yeah. we're just gonna cut the show with no music, no nothing. And just I just like, got Marion
9: fired from the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> he
3: <laughs> right. used to be drinking vodka on the job. Although oh, I did find recently Hope and I are kindred spirits, in that we both do share a love for peanuts and Snoopy. Oh man.
9: There you go. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I'm a Big fan. All right, uh, guys. Uh, we uh, we do have an hour to go, so we'll get going. So you don't get bored uh, with us here. We will lead off with uh, some hoop stuff here, Matt, and then we'll, we'll get into some Super Bowl and um, and kind of start to take this sucker home. Of course, Gamecocks have Vanderbilt tomorrow, and the ladies welcome the Huskies to town uh, on Sunday. Um, so what did I say? We're leading off with hoops, right? Isn't that what I said? Yeah.
3: Okay. I so wanted to make, sure. Basketball. So yeah. Yeah. I just
9: wanted to make sure that I didn't just uh over-correct myself there uh, tonight in the top 25. If you're keeping it like for the Gamecock audience that we have, most people now are starting to keep an eye on all the stuff because Carolina is right in the thick of it. So you've got 18th ranked Dayton. It's uh, seven o'clock on ESPN two. They're on the road at VCU in Richmond, Virginia. And then at eight o'clock, on the CBS Sports Network. 24th ranked San Diego State is on the road at Nevada uh, in Reno. Big, big game here for Nevada. Uh, the Mountain West looking to get six teams into the postseason this year if they can. Right now, looking at five, but Nevada wants to say something about all that. So that's a big deal for those guys. And then, of course, tomorrow it's a college basketball uh, Saturday. We'll get to the SEC and we'll get to South Carolina in just a minute, but. We've got our version of Joe Lenardi in, Matty Ice. Do you have a game or two that you have circled? This has been a year. It's been a year of top 10, top 15, top all of them, but even like heavily in the top 10 teams going on the road and not coming home successful. Is there one or two that you have circled teams who've got some road trips to make outside of the SEC? We'll get to that in a minute. That you think, "Mm, might want to be careful with that one.
10: You know, I'd have to take I have to take a look at it. I mean, North Carolina right now I think is, you know, in a in a precarious spot because they had the big win against Duke, but there are a lot of teams at in the ACC that are going to have the opportunity to try and knock off Duke, knock off North Carolina to to get back up. You know, I don't know when, where do they play Virginia Tech. I'm trying to pull up the schedule now. Who North Carolina? Uh, maybe, let me here, guys. I got to look at the upcoming schedule for teams out of the SEC. I've been so focused on the SEC lately. But, yeah, um, so this weekend, North Carolina travels to Miami. Miami was a preseason top 25 team. Mm -hmm. Miami has snuck up on some people this year. Uh, They got Virginia Tech at home. Virginia away for North Carolina um, can be pretty testy. Virginia's kind of rounding into form at the moment. And then, you know, that game against Duke at the end of the season will be a big one. I'm trying to stay, like, geographically focused, JB. If you want me to go outside of that, then we can
9: Well yeah, so it, it all matters right now, because the game co- so here's the reality let like let let's make sure that we um let's let's make sure that we like I know that some people don't want to jump that far ahead, fair enough, I get it. <laughs> we've seen it a lot around here but but this team deserves the attention. I'm talking about the gamecocks, so that's yeah, I want to set the scene because tomorrow they're expected to win, they should. If they don't, it's going to be a that's that won't be good for their seating. They'll still be projected well into the tournament, but that would be a bad thing for seating moving forward. But if they do, to play the hypothetical here, if they do beat the Commodores, then they're looking at being nine and two. I said I'll bring the rest of the SEC into this in just a minute because there are other teams with two losses and they're all on the road. Uh, so we'll get to all that. But if you get to nine and two, we know what's coming next Wednesday: a road trip to Auburn, Alabama. If by happenstance. They can walk in there and knock those cats off like they did up in Knoxville. And then they're sitting at 10 and two (laughs) seating starts to change a little bit dramatically. Right. So, so what I'm getting at here is like, when you look at the fact that all of a sudden Michigan state has pieced it together, 10th ranked Illinois, where are they? Michigan state this weekend. Uh, you already talked about North Carolina. I'm not so sure that South Carolina can move all the way up that that far, but you, you did mention them, and they're, that's worthy of being discussed, of course. Uh, 13th ranked Baylor is on yeah. the road at fourth, fourth ranked Kansas. Kansas is having some issues. Um, Arizona is at Colorado. You've got Creighton on the road at Xavier. You've got Wisconsin on the road at Rutgers. You've got <laughs> there was one well, other. You got one there. Tennessee
10: going to A and M too. You know, just talking about all of these things in the in the in the grand. Yeah. You know, bracketology, meta, metasphere, whatever you want to call it. But you know, as you look at the AP poll right now, where the Gamecocks are at, what are they, fifteenth right now? They're probably going to get bumped up because Wisconsin lost, and Wisconsin was a little bit ahead of them. Start piling up teams in these little segments. Mm-hmm. You know, the one to four, the five to eight, the nine to twelve, and then start looking at these teams when they go on the road. I mean, Baylor is a prime example. And JB, you hit the you hit the nail on the head there. You know Baylor's gonna go into Kansas this weekend. Really tough play, place to play. But guess what? If Baylor wins that game, they're gonna get a lot of street cred. A lot of street cred because they they lost three games in a row coming into their um, win against uh, who was it? They won in overtime the other night. Um, who are you talking about? Kansas or Baylor? Kansas. Baylor. They have won in like triple overtime. Oh yeah,
9: I thought you. I thought you. I thought. I thought you meant Kansas. I know, but so yeah.
10: When you talk about Baylor, if they get that win against Kansas, you know Kansas could actually start coming back down to South Carolina. When you talk about North Carolina, maybe not coming down to South Carolina, but Kansas could because when you look at right now, um, just looking at these quick numbers, uh, Kansas is eight and four in Quad one and two. Baylor is eight and five and quad one and two. The Gamecocks are right there. So that's why these matchups around the country matter. And, you know, to your point, they be like, yeah, maybe they can't catch North Carolina, but the big 12 is a freaking gauntlet. And there's going to be a lot that happens over the next month that's going to play into where the Gamecocks are seated.
9: Yeah, so Kansas on the road has been, they've been brutal. Look, Let, let's just be honest. Uh, on the road, in the league, they lost at Central Florida. They wanted Oklahoma State, but Mike Boynton's guys just don't have it. They went to West Virginia and got beat. They went to Iowa State and got beat. They went to Kansas State and got beat. And and that was an overtime game. And now they've got Baylor, but then in the next couple of games after that, they're back to back road trips in Lubbock and at, at Oklahoma. And both of those are both of those cats are are having nice years, or at least years where they can clip the Jayhawks. So like I know that it seems, seems really dangerous and really insane to like be discussing the South Carolina Gamecock basketball program on February the 9th in the same breath as teams like the Kansas Jayhawks. But that's where they are because like yeah. they can win their way and Kansas can continue to lose their way to where these teams are. Gary Parish had Carolina and there's a three seed just like three days ago, dude.
10: Yeah, and that was actually a really cool um, shout-out that John Whittle got and the Big Spur got from Gary Parish when he talked about John's article about, and I took that personally. um, Phenomenal article by John. I'm sure you guys have talked about it a good bit. But it's not just that. I mean, Baylor. Baylor has been an elite basketball team for the last five, eight years, going back ten years, and the Gamecocks are right there in that conversation. Arizona, um, not quite a blue blood, but pretty daggum close. I mean, we saw what happened last night. What was it triple overtime for Arizona last night to to sneak past? Was it Washington State? I can't. Or Colorado State? I Can't remember. But they got to go to Colorado mm-hmm. this weekend, and Arizona's eighth in the country. If they drop that game to Colorado, it's a pretty daggum good team themselves. Um, th- th- there's just so much chaos, and that's why I don't like to do bracketology and do my seedings until you know, like mid-February. There's just not enough data to do something accurately. But it's fun, man. It's just a fun time of year. <laughs>
9: Yeah, I was I would say so too. I agree with that Michigan State will be hosting tenth ranked Illinois this weekend and I think this is where Michigan State also begins to kind of make a move. They're up to 24 in the net rankings this year at 14 and 9 and 6 and 6 in league play, but they're coming off of a really just weird uh loss 59 to 56 on the road at Minnesota, who by the way is making a case for the dance as well though. Uh Michigan State has struggled on the road, but at home they've been pretty good. Um so like I I just think that I just think that like if you're if you're a fan of GameCop basketball, first and foremost, you're paying attention to whether GameCop basketball can continue to handle the things that they can handle. But it's also time—that's the point of this conversation—to start expanding and not not only looking at the league, but looking at you know with all these seed projections and things like that, looking at the things around the country that might
10: be affecting what you do based on what they do. Yeah, you're 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 Johnny on the spot there because, you know, in a couple of weeks and I think it's usually about mid February, the selection committee goes and does their little summit and they give you the top 16 seeds. So one through four all the way through like their projected seed range. And right now the Gamecocks will be projected to be in that or around that. But that gets so so much stuff will fluctuate you know with conference tournaments and you know teams getting upset and like seed line bumps seed line wins the gamecocks have five of those opportunities and to be where they are right now it's why it's not unrealistic for Gary Parrish to say the gamecocks could find themselves on the 3 line or the 2 line come selection sunday
9: all right elsewhere in the sec as we as i mentioned we would get to it so you now you've got you've you've got a, a scenario here that I I don't think it'll go completely like this, Matt but, Matt, but it could. It could go like this. You've got the worst team in the league. No, that's not fair. Vander, sorry, Vandy. Not the worst. <laughs> yeah, Missouri. Uh, but, um, Missouri is, but, but get one of them. Uh, Vandy will, will come into Colonial Life Arena tomorrow. Um, and then when you look around the rest of the SEC, 16th-ranked Bama, Is on the road at LSU, and I know LSU is maybe not where they were, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. But it's an opportunity, and what's really interesting, and you just don't you don't see this much. It's an eleven a.m. tip in Baton Rouge. You know, what are your what are your legs like? Yeah, when you're running out there trying to run up down the floor the way that Alabama does, it's it's a noon tip our time, but eleven a.m. in Baton Rouge. Uh, You've got twelfth ranked Auburn on the road at Florida. You know dang well how important this game is to the Gators if they want to continue to make a case for the postseason. So if they can get the Tigers at home, that's going to go a long way uh, towards their resume. And then you've got sixth-ranked Tennessee on the road uh, at Texas A&M, and they've got a 7-2 and two record as well. Texas A&M, Reed Arena, tough place to play. A&M is a tournament team. This is a big game for those guys as well. So all the two lost teams travel except for one and that's South Carolina with that said what if anything concerns you about the vanderbilt game at the same time in watching this team now have played 23 basketball games what about their makeup maybe
10: makeup maybe eases some of those concerns well, the big concern for Vanderbilt is they're playing with nothing to lose at all. They are, you know, a team that's maybe had some bad breaks, got some blown up, blown out a couple of times. They started the season with I think like four or five players that were injured. You know, when they took those losses early in the season, they were missing like four of their five starters, and it took them a little bit of time to get up to speed. They still have three guys that average double figures, so they they are somewhat of a balanced team. Now, when you got three guys scoring double figures and the rest of the team all in like the five, six, three points per game, you know, you can kind of eliminate some of the the worry there and, and say, okay, we're going to play our brand of basketball. I think the biggest thing the Gamecocks have to avoid here is a slow start because a slow start with the way the Gamecocks play, you know, they're going to run their offense, but they're going to have to do some things to, to keep the crowd engaged because, you know, the crowd was electric, absolutely electric against Ole Miss. You know, I was at the game. But there were times when Ole Miss completely took the crowd out. Mm-hmm. And if I was Chris Beard, I was telling my guys, and he started moving his timeouts from behind, the like, by the bench to, like, right by the basketball goal on their side of the court. And if I was Chris Beard, I was going to tell them all, look, you just silenced 17,000-plus people. They're all scared of you right now. And guess who else is scared? That Gamecock team. That's what the coaches say. Now, were the Gamecocks scared? I don't know. Um, I thought the Gamecocks missed some shots, but – You know, you never want to give a team the opportunity to build confidence. And Vanderbilt is looking for a win. This would be the highlight of their season. Take down a top 15 team in the country at their place. Saturday, it's a 1 o'clock tip. You know, you talked about, like, the 10 a.m. tip or whatever in in Baton Rouge. And, you know, the Gamecocks need to find a way to get out to an early lead. And they got to get – they have to start getting to line some rest. I think over the last, like, nine games, he's – the fewest amount of minutes he's played is 33. And outside of that, it's been like 37 minutes. So he's playing so much of every basketball game. And Mike talked about this the other day. He's going to wear down at some point and, you know, finding these opportunities. And maybe this is one against Vanderbilt where they can say, okay, let's get you 20, 25 minutes. Let's get out to a comfortable lead. Let's hold on. Let's win this game because the Gamecocks need some work without Talon on the court. And that's one of my concerns, getting him rest. I've said it to you guys in the group chat, It's like clockwork. When Talon comes out in the second half, there are some helter-skelter plays. The Gamecocks completely get out of their rhythm, and they need to be up by enough to let Talon rest. And hopefully that happens in the first half, and he sits the last eight minutes out. That'd be the dream scenario. But the game you don't want the Gamecocks to feel like they have to press to win this game.
9: Yeah, I mean, literally going back to the Missouri game after they played Alabama, he played 40 minutes in the Missouri game. Remember, though, that was a... I mean, they did go to overtime, but that's still 40 of 45 minutes. Uh, and then 37, 37, 37, 36, 33 on the road in Knoxville. Crazy. And then uh, 38 and 36. So, yeah, you, you, what is that? That's an average of about probably 37 and a half point, uh, minutes per game or so.
10: Yeah, and for the wow. season, he's averaging 33 minutes per game. So that 37 is getting bumped up by his last eight or so games. So that, that's a concern. But the other thing that Michi's done such a great job of facilitating the offense, too. I mean, he's had back-to-back games of, I think, like six or seven assists. I think he had eight against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's something that you you got to consider. I think the Gamecocks should take care of business. I think it's going to be another electric crowd. I don't think that's slowing down right now at South Carolina. You know, you only have a handful of home games left. Um, pull it up really quick. I know you got Florida, LSU, Vanderbilt, and then it the, the return Tennessee game. So colonial life just needs to stay behind this team. They've given you every reason to be there. So get your butts in the seats. I'll be there. Help the team out. Let's get a big win. Let's move on to a really big one against Auburn. You know, thinking about like, I mean, JV, you played a lot of baseball growing up. I don't know if like a trap game really exists in baseball. That's not like a midweek game. Like in baseball, you know, you're facing, especially in the SEC, a stud Mm -hmm. team. Um, You know, right now the Gamecocks are going to face a team that's, Let's face it, Vanderbilt's 202nd in Ken Palm for a reason. They're projected yeah. one by 15 points for a reason. But then you have the Auburn game on the road right after that. You have to stay locked in this game and, and play the way Lamont wants to. Um and, and look, also don't get discouraged if BJ Mack misses a couple threes. Because you know, if you guys listened to Lamont's press conference the other day, Lamont said. I want him to keep shooting. It might not be his night for the first 30 minutes of the game, but then it could be his night the last 10 minutes. And Lamont has given all of his players that confidence to say, go do it, go do it, just keep shooting, keep playing.
8: Yeah, Yeah, I think think
3: so too. I mean, because he was hitting them early in the season. I mean, it's not like we're trying to develop a shot that just hasn't been there all year. I mean, I mean, you think even at the beginning of conference play he was still productive at all three levels. So, I mean, there's no reason for him to not take those shots.
10: Well, Lamont said something interesting, too, and I don't know if you guys called it, but in his in his game against Ole Miss, or it might have been on the radio with Derek. I was listening to him on the way back. He, he said in either press conference or, you know, with Derek after the game, he said, look, I got to get BJ on the other side of the court. For whatever reason, he does better on that side of the court. I need to draw up plays to make him successful because BJ is still taking his shot and he's going to take it. But Lamont, he thinks that way, right? He thinks in the way of like, okay, let's set up, let's run a set play over here where there's going to be an option for BJ to take a three, be an option for BJ to pump fake, move the ball. I mean, it doesn't have to be a three, but like getting players in a position to be successful. And that's why in the NBA, it's almost not fun to watch because it's just like robots you know they know at an 81% clip that if i put steph curry in this pick and roll option he's going to step back and make the shot 81% of the time that's why it's so hard to play defense in the nba like i'd really like to see some rule changes cuz i love the college game cuz it's so much different than the nba but lamont's thinking analytically like that
9: yeah he's he's been streaky all year uh bj has i mean he had a stretch where he was 9 of 20 from long range and then he had a stretch where he was 3 of 16 and then he had a stretch where he was you know, two of four, and then he had a stretch where he, I mean, you could always make the numbers kind of look however you want to make the numbers look, but uh, then he had a stretch where he was like three of 18, and then he had a stretch where he was seven of 14, and now he's back in one of those funks, one of 15. But here's the thing, though, like I, I think I've seen some of that surface from time to time, like this guy shoots too much or that guy shoots too much or whatever the case is. That's part of what these guys, like That's this is part of what has made this group as special as it's made them. As you just pointed out, you know, Coach Paris empowers them to take a shot when they've got it. And and BJ Mack's game, his entire college career has had this in it. And I per- I personally, I personally think, and you can speak to more to this, and I know we got to hit a quick timeout, but I personally think that if you take the three point shot away from BJ Mack, and he doesn't become the threat of at least being able to go out there and knock one down and the defense doesn't have to guard that. I think that changes almost everything about what you're trying to do from an offensive standpoint, Matt. so maybe you could let's hit a timeout but maybe you can elaborate elaborate on that when we come back is when he's on the floor, defensively you have to guard him. you have to be able to guard the perimeter like on that pick and pop type play that he'll run. And then you also have to be able to guard him when he's playing down in the paint, or he's trying to back somebody down. And if you if you take one of that one of those things away from him, you know what does that do for guarding the offense that South Carolina puts on the floor? So we'll we'll talk about that, um, and then we'll we'll turn the page to uh, to some Super Bowl stuff too, because I, I think that's something that people miss when they have that conversation. Yeah, for sure. Well,
10: we'll, we'll talk on it quick. I got some good get some got some good stuff there.
9: It's 128, Mad Dog, Iceman, and just me, old JB. We'll be right back.
6: This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for Best Catering, Best Barbecue, and Best Food Truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies
8: and gentlemen, here it is.
1: boy, so,
8: What's up? What's up? Yeah, oh,
10: oh. Beer, a Maybe that, that slam by
9: Colin yeah. Murray Boyles against the Wildcats there might have been our intro to uh, what was to come when he is around the rim on one end of the floor or the other. Final 30 minutes inside the Gamecocks, the show part of the Chief Sports Network. Make sure you have downloaded the Chief Sports app. That's where you can listen to Matt on Monday nights, the Late Night Gamecock show, our program, Chin Music, JC and Morgan Sports Talk, and other programs around the country that are affiliated with our network as well. You can also play the Salsaritas Fab Five Challenge. If you live in the Midlands, go to the Salsaritas Fab Five Challenge right now in the Chief Sports app. Submit your fab five picks as somebody just did because i got an email about it and uh we will get the winners of that on uh, monday and give you tell you who's won a 60 dollar fiesta pack to salseritas it's the super bowl edition but there are some game basketball related questions in there so make sure that you got your answers in before one o'clock tomorrow Matt, we were uh, having a conversation about B.J. Mack.
10: Um, Yeah, um, absolutely. And some of my thoughts there, J.B., are, you know, are you going to be the coach that says lay off B.J. Mack, even if he's missed seven in a row? (laughs) Because you just talked about it. You know, he's gone through stretches of hot and cold and, you know, pretty daggum hot sometimes. But no coach in the country is going to sag off of him. They're just not. Now, they might be okay with a pump fake trying to dribble into the lane and we've seen him fumble the ball a few times or when that seven foot five guy from Ole Miss is sitting in the paint. Yeah, we'll take that or we'll take a pull up like Lamont Perry says, yeah, we'll give him the 15 footer. Um, but no coach in America is going to say lay off of him. Now there are times throughout the game when it's not a BJ Mack game. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's been so important for Josh Gray and Colin Murray boils to come along the way that they have. I mean, they're both equally important, but when you have a guy like that seven foot five kid in there, I mean, no, no offense at all to BJ Mack, but that block you just referenced coming out of break, ain't nobody else on the team making that block. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's gonna be two points and it's gonna be a one-point game, and there's a minute left, and now it's all oh, everybody's scrambling. Um, so you know, there's gonna be times when it's BJ's time, and I think that you know, the more points that BJ can give the Gamecocks during um non-crunch time, you know, stretching and ballooning leads and taking those shots, but also being willing to take the shot if there's less than, you know, five minutes left in the game and it's a one-possession game. He's going to have to take them. So I don't think that you run the risk of taking B.J. out. Now, you know, I might have taken B.J. out about a minute before Lamont did the other night because, you know, that that he wasn't able to stay in front of these guys. Even when they're hitting their 15-footers, they're, you know, pushing the ball out in transition. I might have wanted to put Josh in there, and at least if Josh doesn't get all the way back on offense, he's there on defense. Yeah, but but it, it's a fun dynamic to watch. And you know, Lamont even said, you know, maybe I should have taken a timeout during that stretch run. But what I thought was masterful that Lamont did at the at the start of the second half. And you know, Phil, I heard you on the show the other day saying like, "Wow, we're taking these shots really quick in the shot clock." Well, that's also why they ballooned that lead up to 17 points because Ole Miss was like, holy crap, they're taking these shots way early in the shot clock. And it's either a three-pointer or a pump fake. And the Gamecocks make so many layups at the rim and dunks at the rim because of their offense. And that was just like a shock. And it might have also sent a shock to the system for the Gamecocks offense because then they had to stop doing that as the game started getting closer. And it was like, okay, now I'm a little out of rhythm. And you saw some, some clangs off the backboard. Or not. Well, yeah, there was one off the backboard. I think someone was like fading out of bounds. But, but yeah, the Gamecocks are still in a really good place. And I, I really appreciate, you know, what Lamont's doing and just keep running this style of offense. It, it's, it's like Nova Give it time, it always works.
9: Yeah, I agree. Well, I can tell you right now, I ain't going to be the one that questions any coaching decisions by Lamont Paris. So <laughs> if somebody who wants to run out there, die on that hill, have at it. But, um, he's, <laughs> kind of seemed to work i mean you know i don't know yeah i don't know everything i'm just saying I
10: they're 20 and
9: 3 i mean you know, what, i've said what, it so what, many
10: times this year if i haven't about? said it on this show or said it to you guys in the group text like give lamont a leave with five minutes left and it's kind of like what roy williams talked about dean smith on chin music that was a great episode where you know five minutes left in the game he knew exactly what the opposing team was going to do and, you know, Eddie Fogler learned that from Dean Smith. Roy Williams learned that from Dean Smith. And Lamont Paris didn't coach for Dean Smith or those guys, but he coached for Dagum Goodwin and Bo Ryan.
9: Yeah, he did.
10: And, uh, I loved what he
9: had to say, too, uh, in that column that, you know, that, that John talked about that you've been referencing or that John wrote that you've been referencing about the sexiness, you know, and, um, when people pick your team and who you are, are you, are you a sexy pick or not? Essentially. I I thought that was uh, that was really unique stuff. So again, Carolina tomorrow tips at one colonial life arena. They'll have Derek Scott and Casey Manning on the air at 1230. If you'd like to make sure that you could listen to the ball game, which is what I would strongly suggest all of you do. Um, we're also, you know, going to have this thing called the Super Bowl on Sunday. Last night, we received news that the 2024 NFL's Hall of Fame class is out as well. It's a seven-member class. It includes Julius Peppers, Dwight Freeney, and Patrick Willis, former linebacker out of Ole Miss, Devin Hester, the NFL record holder for kickoff and putt returns for touchdowns. And wide receiver Andre Johnson will also be enshrined as modern era selections. Linebacker Randy, uh, what was it, Gratishar? Randy Gratishar, Phil? Oh. I I thought it was Gratishar. I've always (laughs) said Randy Gratishar. I mean, he, he played before my time. Of course, I know who he is. I know who Steve McMichael is. Uh, he retired in 1994. They were selected as senior finalists in, in this year's class as well. So congratulations to all of them. All will be enshrined August the 3rd up in uh, in Canton, Ohio. And a uh, bunch, of, bunch of defensive dudes that we were all in awe with for a long, long time. But the Super Bowl on Saturday will be played for the 58th?
10: You might know better than me. 50 something. 58.
3: Yep. Yeah, All right. Easy. So, what does, L- how about D- this? I, I, I.
9: Phil, let's see if we can stump him. What does Roman numeral yeah. L, the letter L, mean in Roman numerals, Matt? I believe that's 50. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you have won a free prize. You get to spend the night in a hotel room <laughs> with JC Sherbert.
10: see <laughs> Yay. Right? I do have my Las Vegas Knights hat on right now. For him, though,
3: you get a couple more right, we'll get you your own room. <laughs>
10: that, that's a prize worth <laughs> worth getting right there. That takes the right. fun out of all it.
9: <laughs> it takes the fun out of all it. it. Um, I'm actually I'm really excited to see if Javon and, and Debo can pull this thing off. It would be another Gamecock winning the uh, winning the Super Bowl, which would be which would be pretty neat. We've had a bunch of them over the years. All right, so I found this. All right, and this is not the case now, but there have been more more watched Super Bowls. Put it this way. But Super Bowl forty four became the most watched TV program in history, in the history of television. The most watched TV program in the history of television at that time there was 106.5 million viewers for Super Bowl 44 can either of you guess what had the what had been the previous most watched program in TV history i'll give you i'll give you a quick hint it was the finale of a very popular tv series yeah it was a dallas nope m*ash m*ash, mash. yep yeah. yeah can you believe that dude there was 105 almost 106 million people that watched the season finale of Mash.
3: Yeah, I think and when you compare it to like how far in years it was away from that 2010 Super Bowl, like it's it's just astounding. I mean, astounding. when you look at it as think about it as, you know, a share of eyes, I mean just the sheer number of households watching that is just mind boggling. It's the whole country. I mean, that yeah, was just That was antenna
10: antennas as well. You had to have the yeah. rabbit ears to watch that one. You had to really try. Great point. I mean, you only have like four yeah, things but- you could watch.
3: Yeah, that was the that was the thing going forward as well. It was like it, it was tougher because there were less people, but it was easier because there were only, you know, so many channels. <laughs> you didn't have near the entertainment options then as you did in 20- 20. Right. So
10: JV, who played in that game? I'm guessing Patriots Giants in 44?
3: Yeah, I, I was thinking the same. I was trying to. I was like, was that? I thought the that's the that, question was, was going to be. But I, I mean, I'm yeah, just going. Yeah. Tom Brady Manning wins, right? Yeah, or was might that might have been uh, that?
10: Might have been the Eli game.
3: Let's see
10: the David Tyree game.
3: Well, I don't want to pull it up because if we get another question, I want to be able to answer it. Yeah, you I don't want to. Well, I'll i pull it up. <laughs> um, yeah, JV can. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't mind pulling
9: it up. I should know it, but um, yeah, because. Phil's known for his cheating around here. In case well, see, anybody hadn't figured I, that out. Right.
3: And, uh, to, to avoid the appearance of impropriety.
10: <laughs> yeah.
3: I mean, you so think you know. he's
10: producing right now, JB, but he's really just Googling every possible question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait wait a second. What year was that? 21. That's why I use a quieter keyboard than JC. 50, 49.
10: <laughs> and we're all thankful, Phil. All yeah, right. <laughs> that yeah, would...
9: The same. It can't be right. Yeah, that's right. It was the uh, Colts and the Saints.
10: So that was Drew Brees versus Peyton Manning. Yep, that's what exactly that's what it was. A pretty good crowd. Oh, that was. Yeah, the, JB uh, and his keyboard Michael is like Isaiah Pacheco now. running. The <laughs> like Miami. he
3: just slams into it. Who does yeah, that was
10: um, JC when he types on his keyboard is like Isaiah Pacheco running. <laughs> oh yeah, he's not. Yeah, right.
9: yeah. He's generally not thrilled with something that his keyboard said to him that day. The poor keyboard. He gets very emotional with it. I I don't know why. I don't know. I
3: don't know. He's a passionate man.
9: All right. Here's another one that'll blow your minds. Take a guess at the cost of the first Super Bowl ticket. The first Super Bowl was played January fifteenth, nineteen sixty seven.
3: Mad dog. Sixty seven. Give me nine bucks. Matt.
10: Golly. I'm gonna I'm gonna go eight. I'm gonna play I'm gonna play the game. Let's go eight. Should have gone higher. Twelve (laughs) dollars. Right. Twelve dollars. I wonder what the aftermarket price on that is, because that's what makes the Super Bowl tickets ridiculous, is like you know, the aftermarket selling of it. I think JC
9: Phil, what did J C spend on his two Super Bowl tickets? 25,000
3: yeah, he said they were like yeah 25 grand
9: yeah yeah i mean it's chump change for jc though that's that nothing like that. i think he was going through i his, love uh... it man nat didn't get a honeymoon but she got the super bowl oh yeah she got vegas out of this whole ordeal so i told him <laughs> like months ago i was like why don't you just get married out there just get married on super bowl sunday one of those little chapels on the strip Oh, what was? The, yeah, I know. Yeah. Doubt they'd be That's the cool. only ones who thought of that. I'm sure somebody's going to get married Super Bowl Sunday at one of those
10: chapels on the Strip. You know, like it's going to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a Chiefs couple, it's cool or It's, it's a Forty Nine ers couple to in the win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let Kelsey
9: let's Swift let's do Swift it, baby. Is
3: happening at the uh,
9: <laughs> the Elvis Kelsey Swift. Swift. Is that what they're going to do? Is that how they're going to celebrate? Good. Good. Usually tattoos as well. Usually, yeah. what are they? What's the commercial? I'm going to Disney World. I'm going to the Taylor Swift
3: concert to get married. I'm going to the Elvis Presley di- drive through wedding chapel.
9: <laughs> Any guesses as to how many chicken
3: wings are eaten on Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, wow. Millions? Two million. got to put it over millions. Yeah, I'd say three million. Matt?
10: Uh, I'll go two. Two
9: million. I'm going to let y'all re-guess this.
3: All right. 12 million. (laughs) 1 billion. (laughs) 1 billion chicken wings. (laughs)
9: 1.3 billion.
3: Jeez. And JB will be cooking all of them. He'll be smoking them. Go to his house and get your chicken wings. I know that there will be over 40 that enter this home that do not exit. So think about that. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
9: exactly. So think about that for a minute. I mean, not even including restaurants. So there's generally like, I think last year there was 79 million people that watched the game at home. Okay. So if you do 50 million by 25 chicken wings, that's 1.25 billion right there. It's really not that hard to get to 1.3 billion in a hurry. Hmm. yeah gosh <laughs> 1.3 billion and i'll i'm going to do some too i'm smoking mine i smoke them and then i've got this garlic parmesan wing dust that i have that i put on them and then i throw them in the air fryer after they smoke for an hour
3: oh yeah crisp them up i like that that's been mm-hmm.
7: yeah
9: they're good yeah they're good they they've become a hit i had a neighbor though who asked me if they, if uh they could come over for the super bowl i told him we weren't doing anything i lied to him cuz i don't want them over here <laughs>
10: Well, now they know, JB. Now they know.
9: Nah, they don't. These are the neighbors you don't want over for a major sporting event. You know what I mean? Like, so who's playing? It's a freaking Super Bowl. Who do you think's playing? Have you, where have you been for the last two weeks? You know, that that type of neighbor. Yeah. But like they hear you're going to do chicken wings. So they're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, can we bring the kids and then uh, I'll bring some corn? I'm like, I don't want corn on Super Bowl Sunday. And I don't want your kids over here either. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. So, no. <laughs>
3: right so no
10: <laughs> Jamie. that reminds me of the american pie movie when stifler's like party there's no party over here yeah, right,
8: right.
10: Part right. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, few, i was
9: watching uh what was i watching wheel of fortune a few weeks ago when the whole thing was spelled out and say jack asked the girl to all she had to do was spell it and she was about to win like 20 grand and she said the word wrong and he goes no <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh man! All right, a quarter of we- a
3: billion chickens will give their lives for our dining pleasure on Sunday. Oh man, poor
10: guys! And we thank them for their service.
3: That's right. Yeah. That's right. We
9: appreciate <laughs> their service. Yeah, they lived a good life. I mean, like they they did it. Uh, you know, like they made it. They 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 became a Super Bowl chicken. <laughs> I mean, right? There's something now, to be there's, said. There's,
3: now, that. there—that's—that's that's an angle to look at it. Like, like what kind it's of chicken do you want? Do you want to be one of these Colonel's chickens, or you want yeah. to be one of the Super Bowl chickens?
9: Hey, what do you, what do you think? uh What's your future look like? You know, I heard they're going to chop me up for the Super Bowl. No kidding. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> Last I heard, I was headed to food lion. Oh man,
3: that sucks! <laughs> <laughs> they're cutting me into breasts, man. No, I'm gonna no. live in the can for Swanson's for
9: ages. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna chop me up, and call me tuna fish.
10: <laughs>
3: well, just remember, all chickens go to heaven. They're all
9: they're all there in the all end. Chicken
3: <laughs> heaven, chicken heaven is full.
9: I'm going to a Chinese restaurant. Oh, no, no,
3: <laughs>
9: no. I thought only cats went to the Chinese restaurants. No, no. Oh, man. All right. We, we got to take a dime out. We're back to how much How much does the Lombardi trophy weigh? We'll tell you that when we get back on Inside the Game Costa Show. Nice to. Welcome home. That's what the gamecocks say, and so does the Barn Dough Company. Where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just 4 to 6 months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit the barntohamiumco.com. That's TheBarnDominiumCo.com, The Barn Dough Company, Gamecock, owned and operated. Down here in the South, we don't
1: always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities, They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South.
9: Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend, a career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres. Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored, and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the gamecocks now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business soups swing shop if your son or daughter wants to improve their game soups swing shop offers virtual lessons mike will connect with you diagnose your swing and create a special game plan to help improve it call him at 859-414-8240 email soups Swingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the chief sports app soup swing shop play ball this is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, J.C., and Phil.
3: Going to do the Johnson with the crossover, off the
7: glass, and in. Three
3: on the
2: way. Back to and dip. he puts
4: it in. Deep three for Johnson. Barry!
9: Game talk can add on out,
2: back,
9: up, the six-game winning streak that they currently have in the SEC. Seven would be much like six; their longest since the 1996-1997 SEC championship team. Incredible, incredible, incredible stuff. Next week is going to be an, a blast, uh, guys. If they win tomorrow. Uh. You got the trip to Auburn. You got Carolina baseball opening up. We'll be at the ballpark on Friday, Phil, for that. Can't wait for That's that. That's right. Looking forward to it.
10: I will be there, too. But you coming in for a awesome. yeah. 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 I'll be there probably around three.
3: You staying for the LSU game?
10: Yeah. I'll be at the LSU awesome. game, too.
3: Yeah, we'll be there. I'm taking the family to it. Yeah. I'll be
9: there, too. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. As of now, I've got to move some things around that I discovered last night. <laughs> A uh, couple, uh, couple of quick things to pass along. Got a uh, text during the break. Make sure I've got this right. Uh, one name to keep an eye on is John Lilly for the tight ends coaching position at South Carolina. Uh, he's been around a while. Uh, was with the Panthers. Um, I got enough confidence in that source uh, that... Um, that's a name we should probably keep an eye on. As I mentioned earlier, the t- name Tim Brewster has come back up as well. <clears throat> Both of those guys, veterans and coaching, if you take a look at what Shane Beamer has uh, done to fill his staff here in the offseason, it has been veterans in coaching. And it looks like he's at least trying to go that way as well. So uh, we'll see. But um, those are a couple of names that we'll want to keep our eyes peeled on uh, over the next few days as they expect to get this thing I don't know. I don't want to say quickly, but wrapped up in a in a timely manner. Yeah, the uh,
10: practice coming. Yeah, yeah. It'll
9: be here uh, a little over a month. So, uh, they'll want to get some guys in there and get them adjusted. There's no doubt about that. Just saw on Twitter, too. Really neat. Quarterback's coach at Murray State, Zeb Noland. Oh. So, hats oh, off to him. And uh, Jody Wright going to take some Carolina flavor up there to Murray, Kentucky. So we can all be Murray State fans moving forward.
3: Congratulations to Zeb Nolan. All right, pull well, for... why not? Do what I said. I can pull for Murray State. Why not? It was already yes. decided I'd be a Buffalo fan because I'd love to see what Coach Limbo does up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, my man won at Ball State. He should do fine at Buffalo.
9: He's going to be fine. Yeah, <laughs> we're going. Uh my my guy old Petey Petey all right we will uh, we'll wrap up here on a couple of Super Bowl nuggets and then send you off to wrap up your work day and get into the weekend with the chicken cock bourbon and the Dixie vodka that I put with the five calorie Cranberry juice. I don't want to hear anything about it.
10: From it's me. a nice move there, Phil, in the, in the coffee mug. I like it. I like oh, you your like style. It. Big fan. Mm-hmm. Big,
3: big Star thing. Wars
10: guy. Big Star, the, big
3: star hey, Wars. Hey, who,
9: who won the first Super Bowl? Anybody know?
3: That would be a Green Bay. Mm. Green Bay Packers. Who lost it? Uh, the shoot, Buffalo Bills. Chiefs.
9: Ah, Phil! Yay! Ding! Ding! Ding!
8: Ding! 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 ding.
9: Did you know the that Chiefs? the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl this weekend? They are. Yeah. Who's their quarterback?
10: Um, Taylor Swift. Oh,
3: that's where. That's why I keep hearing Swift and Kelsey. That's yeah. the Swift and Kelsey connection. I don't know. Yeah. One, At Marco. Okay.
9: <laughs> Mahomes. Who has won the most Super Bowls?
3: tie isn't it it's a tie we've got a tie it's uh Pittsburgh New England is he right Right. good job
9: I just wanted to give it a little drama you know
3: it was like yeah I'm like oh my did I miss that up
9: (laughs) now here's some breaking news UCLA head coach Chip Kelly has just formed his team that he is leaving for another job just two days ago, yesterday, just yesterday, Brad Crawford said right here that Chip Kelly was a strong candidate to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. Mm. Mm-hmm. Got to know some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Brad Crawford said that right here on our air. That is going to be, see, there we go. Another, I mean, why would you just up and want to leave being a head coach? It, it, uh, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. All right. How much does
10: the Lombardi trophy weigh? Forty-two pounds. Hmm. Phil?
9: Thirty-seven. Try seven. Seven. Seven pounds? It's hollow? That thing isn't solid. (laughs) Seven pounds cheap in the do you know who do you know who designs the Lombardi trophy which jewelry store Tiffany yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know you'd think they'd sponsor it like what that would do for them we want our name on that and maybe it is we don't get to see it it's yeah it's on the bottom
3: yeah. the makers mark on the bottom yeah that's it <laughs> all
9: right and finally and finally our last bit of Super Bowl trivia Fun facts, and then we'll make our picks and get out of here. Last year, twenty twenty three, a thirty second commercial or a spot, as we call them in the media, cost how much, Bill?
10: Three million. Twelve million.
9: Ice man. Seven million dollars. Seven million. <laughs> Jeez. For a thirty, because I mean, kind of makes sense. I mean, Phil, we charge what about two million for thirty second spots on our show?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably need. So I, I get it, up it. now. Yeah.
9: twelve, I mean, uh, surely we could get two and a half. Yeah, to have another fifty million or so that watch the Super Bowl over our programming
10: makes sense. Charge them another yeah. four or five million dollars. <laughs> hey, get your ads now, because. It's going big, everybody. That's
3: right. Yeah, yeah. You need to – better help. you're a legacy advertiser with a le- legacy partner.
9: I'm fired up to see Martina McBride sing the national anthem this weekend and uh, excited to watch. I think it's going to be a really good game. Who you got,
10: Matt? I thought it was Reba. I can't go against the Chiefs. I'm, I'm already locked in the Chiefs.
3: Yeah. Phil? I picked the Chiefs to cover. I mean, not the Chiefs. Shoot. I picked the Niners to cover. Yeah. The two and a half
4: yesterday. Taking, I'm sticking Debo. by it.
9: Debo and Javon. I think they win the National they it. The, yeah. the national Football League's Super Bowl. Mr. Keep your, keep your eyes to the thebigspur.com this weekend for any news regarding the tight end position. Obviously, South Carolina will tip off tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Eric Church will take us home here as he does on Friday afternoons on Inside the Gamecocks. The show cannot thank Stuart Lake and Matt Williams enough for joining us earlier, and thanks to Matt Anderson. Two Matts don't make a right, that's what they say, uh, for joining us here in our programming as well. Uh, JC will be back, we think, sometime next week. Not Monday, probably not Tuesday. I don't know, he said maybe Tuesday, but maybe Wednesday, but he also said it could be Thursday. Might be Tuesday, though, but probably Wednesday. That's literally what he told me. I have no idea what that That means. We'll figure all that out. Thanks to all of you. We hope you have a wonderful weekend pulling those Gamecocks through. Opening day, one week from today. That's where we'll be in Founders Park. Matt, thanks, man. Good to see you. Great work, Mad Dog. See you at 11 on Monday inside the gamecock.
10: Have a great weekend.